Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. Time now for the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Well, I think, you know, I have a pretty good resume. I think the, the history of, of, of our decision-making overall has been, been pretty good. And I think, you know, the, the best way to approach this is, you know, recognize that you do have a problem, admit it, and then try to find a solution. And we, we understand that. And, and I'm not trying to sit here with you right now and, and try to defend what we did and, and blame other people. I, I know that, that we made mistakes and we're going to try to get it right. Let's get nasty on a Wednesday. It's a fast lane on 101 at ESPN with Andrew Marsh and Jamie Rivers. I'm Anthony Stolzer. 202, your time check is brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler, the voice you heard. John Mozalak, the president of baseball operations for your St. Louis Cardinals, talking last night on Fox 2 to Martin Kilcoin. We had talked about what we, what we could hear, what we wanted to hear all day yesterday. Well, we got the audio, Jamie. Yeah, we do. Yeah, yeah. It, what? I actually felt, I actually felt like John Mozalock was being pretty honest, as honest as he could be corporately. Mm-hmm. I mean, what did you get your takeaway? Because I expected some fluff, the Trojan horse answer, where somewhere in what he's saying is the truth, but he's yeah. not telling you exactly what he's thinking or saying. I thought he was. Per- I thought for John Mozalock that was pretty honest. I thought he was fine. I thought it was fine. I thought it was a nothing burger, for the most part. Really? Status. Him admitting fault and that they could have done things differently? You don't see that as like... There's too much, in my opinion, Jamie, there's too much left for interpretation when he says something like, going back to last offseason, there are things, things, you know, in hindsight, we could have done differently. what's he going to tell you? Is he talking about Wilson Contreras? Is he talking about about starting starting pitching? I think that's where my mind went. Mm -hmm. I know Alex and Tanner at the start of BK and Ferrario... Alex was all about Contreras. Wilson Contreras. Right. I don't necessarily believe that to be true. I don't think that's what yeah. he meant. I don't either. I heard I heard T Bone and Alex talking about it, and I know Alex was very passionate talking about. It. Yeah, he 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 was talking specifically about Wilson Contreras. I didn't get that impression either. I I got that impre- I got the impression that he was talking about the starting starting pitching and then being more aggressive when it comes to adding to that starting pitching. Yeah. The hindsight. For him comes in, well, we have six starting pitching, starting pitchers. No, you don't. So I think the hindsight for well, him they came did. in. They didn't have six good ones. Right. Did they <laughs> I mean, have two we're good just going to be honest. Yeah. Did they have even two good ones? Eh. The, the starting staff was the highlight issue heading into the season. The spotlight was on the starting staff. For me, I'll only talk, talk about me. When I watched the, the team in spring training or the parts of players going to the WBC and just kind of looking at the WBC and spring training combined I I fell in love with the offense so much that, that I started to convince myself that the starting staff will be just fine Miles Michaelis will pitch to the back of his baseball card Jordan Montgomery will pitch to the back back of his baseball card boy Jack Flaherty could be that swing guy you know he could be the x-factor if it's the great version of Jack Flaherty look out if it's the bad version of Jack Flaherty well they can address it at the deadline that hasn't been the case as we know now but going back to to last night with John Mozeliak you're right what else 
we kind of knew what, it, what he wasn't going to be direct. He wasn't going to say, "I made all these mistakes," and here's the issue. I just didn't. I didn't even get that moment. You you were you referenced it as the Trojan horse moment. I didn't even get that. Yeah. Well, I, he kind of did with when he he's talking about the pitching and how they had internal options and they they did try external options. So he's trying to tell you that he made an offer and the player didn't like it and went somewhere else. I looked at that as Rodon. Right. And so that's where I went with that as far as like Trojan horsing, like the actual truth inside of what he's saying. Mm -hmm. That's where my head, but it's also, again, it's left up for interpretation. Right. There is one thing that he said that we'll, we'll get into next segment. There was one thing that I extracted and, and at least said to myself, okay, good. At least the vision is there. We'll see if the execution is at the deadline. But again, we'll get into that next segment. But going back to, again, we're talking about the John Mozeliak interview with Martin Kilcoin of Fox 2 last night following the All-Star game. Congratulations to the National League, by the way. Snapped, First one in the last 10. Snapped a losing streak, so good job. <laughs> good job there, National League. But going back to the, the Mo interview... The other thing that if you read between the lines, boy, he he reads things. I oh, don't yeah. know if he listens to bozos like you and I, but he certainly reads, whether it's Twitter or yeah. the media. I felt like it was actually directed right at us. At one point, he made eye contact with the camera, and he was staring into my soul, reprimanding me for gutting him on the air. I've heard you, mm -hmm. Jamie Rivers. I know what Anthony you Salter. said. Yeah. Yeah, well, sorry, Mo. I'm he still listens. harboring the fact that you wouldn't go into business with me when I had all the ideas. Mm -hmm. It's not my fault. Let me you rephrase. did this to you, you Mo. Yeah, this is your fault. <laughs> Let me rephrase. I don't know if he listens. Again, I but he definitely reads. When he says something like, well, you know, I do a lot I do, I do a lot in the community, and I go out, and I'm, I'm, I'm out there, and people look at me, and face-to-face, -face, they're very empathetic. You know? Yeah, they're and scared then, of Mo, for sure. And when I read, I, I read all the, the anger. I read all the haste. And yet... I, I was left, Jamie, with the thought of you still don't realize how ticked people are. Because he started to talk about the urgency. And, well, you know, what does that mean? You know, bold means spending. And I don't know if you're going to see that. And, well, sure, urgency. Yeah, I guess there's a little bit more urgency. Oh, yeah. boo-hoo. Right. So, you know, I, Anthony, I let still me ask you an honest question. How ticked Cardinals okay. fans are. So, so let's... Let's isolate that comment. Sure. How mad Cardinals fans are. Let, let's, let me ask you something, and I, I want the truth from you, mm. okay? If you're John Mosellock and you're halfway through a bad season, but you've been in the postseason for a pretty good string and the franchise overall since you've been there, John Mosellock, not as a president, but since 1997, I believe, is when he came on board, the franchise has been pretty good. Are you really sitting there listening to an angry fan base after one bad half a season? Like, do you know what I'm saying? Like, is John Mosellock really supposed to sit in his office and go, well, this is one bad half of a season since 1997, and uh, boy, our fans are angry, and we need to hear them. What would you do, though? Same. So you got the same yeah, track I'm a record. Way different personality than Mo. So what I expect Mo to do is exactly what he did last night. Be this steady Eddie guy. There's a little melancholy there, a little bit, yeah, yeah. Well, it hasn't worked out. It should have worked out. I, I would have been way more direct. I okay. Been, I, wouldn't have, I wouldn't have talked about players or positions. Um, 
as far as like current players or yeah. players that I was in on, I would have just said, hey, look, I, we were in on a, a few players that we thought could help the club. Mm-hmm. It didn't work out. At that point, we pivoted and realized that we have to now look internally. So this is where the risk was with right. this. Was we were hoping that internally we could handle the barrage that would be this season. It didn't work. We're going to be looking to fix that problem at the deadline. Mm-hmm. We have some contracts that are coming up. If these players aren't interested in being Cardinals long term, they will be somewhere else. But yes, this has not been the the half of the first half has not been the season we wanted, and we need to get back to being a team that is at the top of the division. See, I concede your point about. Mo and what he's going to say completely agree but you as a business owner and some in that spot you're not just sitting down with Martin Kilcoin no 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 you no, no, are no, no sitting down with your stockholders 100%. which is your fan base 100% you're having a board meeting yes. right there live on you TV ta- you're not talking to Martin Kilcoin no nope. nice job there Martin I mean you, yeah, you do a, great, did you do a great, great job. job yeah but you're talking beyond Martin Kilcoin and what would you, Jamie Rivers, do if you had the sense, the good sense, that your fan base is ticked off, your stockholders are ticked Give off? Give them information and let them know that the organization is heading in a direction to right the wrongs. That's it. Like, we can't fix it right now. Mm-hmm. In the moment, in real time, whatever I do, trade-wise, what is not probably going to fix the problem. But whatever I do will fix the problem for next year. Yeah. So at this point, Cardinal fans, you need to trust in me and in the organization that we're going to put a winning product back on the field next year. A lot of the pieces will be staying. So if you're thinking it's going to be an absolute clean out, it's not. There are a lot of pieces that are staying. There are a few that are leaving, and we're going to add some in the offseason. Mm. Next season will look much different than this season. Yeah, we're going to we're going to do things starting at the deadline to, to fix this thing in a hurry. That's right. And if you don't trust me, okay. At least allow me to show you mm-hmm. that I can do it, so. You know why? It's the show me state. It's the show me state. You're down right. <laughs> Is March, there a difference? You uh, well, I just mm, I don't think I got the answers that I was expecting, and I think I had uh, the expectations where we would get like some very groundbreaking answer that would sort yep. of change the tide of the season we didn't really get that we got exactly what mo has been you called him like a steady eddie and so i wanted to present the question to you if he is that steady eddie type of pobo you know gm whatever you want to call him he's Mm -hmm. the pobo but would you rather have a guy who is urgent and but yet patient or someone who's making a rash decision based on one year of bad baseball i want somebody in my opinion to not view it as one year of bad baseball. Okay. And I have yeah. stated that for two weeks now. And, 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 and March, it's a good question. Mm-hmm. But for me, I've, I've been on it. I've, I've been direct about this. This is not a one-off. This is a pattern. And I've got, I, I've, right. I, I did a little homework. Oh, Ooh, look at, what is that what thing is that? you're holding Man, up? He's just ripping papers a, left and right. You have a dog? This is my, this is my workout. No, I just start ripping paper. Now you're working up the phone yeah. books, are you? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. A little strong man over there. But. By the time the clearer camp is mm, yeah. is ready to go, I'll have the phone book ripped up. So impressive. But it's not a one-off for me. But when I listen to John Mosaylock there, and this this is going to sound wrong, but John Mosaylock can tell the fan base whatever he wants yeah. while still having the plan that he's going to execute. <laughs> True. For sure. 
Like he can say, yeah, he lie we're right to everybody's moves. faces. We're going to make moves. We're going to do this. And you get everybody on board. And then he's actually trying to do all this stuff. Mm-hmm. But then if he falls short, you know, like what? Right. He still made some improvements. So that's why I believe in giving as much information that can be factual. I don't like the, you know, overselling of something and then underproducing. Give them the direct, you know, even under undersell it a little bit and then try to outdo what you said right. at the deadline and in the offseason. Undersell, overdeliver. And I thought when he was talking about him and the rest of the organization really believing that this team would be a good team, I believe that. Mm-hmm. Now, you can question whether or not them making the right moves in the offseason to get to that point to be a good team. You can question their philosophy on that. But I don't think it's for a, a lack of trying. I think some fans believe that, oh, you know, they don't want to win. They just want to win the division. No, yeah. I think that from that conversation, I believe that they thought this was a good team. Right. Which, they really believe that. What's the bigger problem? That, that's the question. And maybe we'll get into that today. It's Fastlane on 101 at ESPN. So there was one thing, like I mentioned, that Mo said last night where I paused and I said, okay, good. Show us now. Because it's the show me state, yeah. Jamie. Yeah. Well, well done. We'll get into that next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. I'm not saying this is going to happen. The Cardinals go on a 15-game winning streak and still make the playoffs and stuff. But what if? What if they do win 15 straight and still make the playoffs? What will you say then about the Cardinals and Moe's plan and all that? Not that I'm a Mo fan. I'm just a Cardinal fan and want them to find a way anyway to still, you know, make the playoffs and stuff. We're not necessarily like waving the white flag, but all decisions or all moves we do really will try to set us up for next year. All right, so that was the first voice you heard was Vic, who left us a mic drop. You can always participate in the show, and we love having you join us. You can participate a couple of different ways. One, like Vic did, via the 101 ESPN mobile app. You can leave us a mic drop. Talk about anything that we're discussing throughout the course of the day today. Our Air Comfort Service text line is 314-399-9646. And we've got the Sports Six Pack coming up the, at the uh, bottom of the hour. So if you want to start sending some questions there, Comfort Service text line, you can. Or we're live now on YouTube. Our YouTube channel is at 101 ESPN SDL. We'll take questions there, too. But I'll... I'll I'll answer Vic's question, Jamie, in correlation with what Mo said. And that, that audio is courtesy of Fox 2, as Martin Kilcoin did an exclusive last night with John Mosellock that was that was aired after the All-Star uh, game. So Vic asked, well, you know, what would you guys say about the game plan if the Cardinals were to go on this magic run? Here's what I'll say to that. What did, what did Mo do at the deadline? Because to me, everything that he said last night was just kind of, ah, okay, all right. Until he got to that point. When he mentioned, and you heard the audio, that the Cardinals will make moves or decisions that are based on next year's team, I'm in. Now prove it. What do you do at the deadline? Do you trade the expiring contracts? 
Do you pick up some pitching that you can plug into your rotation in the second half? Young guys, I'll just call I'll just refer them as Sandy Alcantara types. I don't mean I mean it'd be nice if they got, you know, a Cy Young contender. But what I mean is guys that could join the starting rotation in the second half and then be in the rotation next year. Do you add one or one or two of those guys? Because if you do, supplement that with a couple of youth movement moves, such as bringing up Mason Wynn to play shortstop, having Yvonne Herrera split time with Willis Contreras in the second half, and then you go on a, a run? I would say that Mo understood that his team wasn't good enough at the deadline, realized he had to do something about it, and now is starting to re- reap some rewards. If they stand pat or they just add a Rich Hill type saying, we can still get in this thing, and then they go on a 15-game winning streak, I would say, your plan really didn't work. And this is the worst-case scenario. Because your ass is going to get bounced in the first round again, and we're going to be doing the song and dance again in the offseason. That's my take. They're not going to do that. They're not. I mean, John Mozalock, as reserved as he is and as close as he holds his cards to his vest, he told you last night that everything they're doing is planning for next year. So John Mozalock is not going to be making trades or acquiring players to make a run this year. If it happens, like you said, if you do all these things and you go on a run and somehow get close or get in, mm-hmm. great. That makes next year, even you have a springboard into next year already. But I don't think John Mozalock for one second is sitting in his office today or yesterday thinking, man, who can I go get that can help us turn this around? Right. I don't think so. If you do see a Rich Hill or a Lance Lynn or a player of that nature, that it's it's to get them over the hump this year. And I don't mean like into the playoffs. Just get through the season so that some of your arms aren't ripped out of the socket on some of your pitchers, specifically your bullpen. What would that remind you of, Jamie? What's what that? you just described. Oh, Doug Armstrong. No, no, no. No, I mean what year? Would that dis- what you just said? Hey, get us over the hump. Just get us to the off season. We yeah. made a couple of smaller moves. Bring in some pitchers. Eat some innings. What would that remind you of? I'm not following. John Lester. Oh, and Jay Happ. Yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but the team was competitive. The deadline they went on the run after that. Exactly. Right. <laughs> so That's you weren't right. good enough. I forgot the timeline. Yes. On that. The reason why Mo made those moves, and we sat there at Ballpark Village that day. And and to a man, we said, "What the hell is this? What just happened? What are we, what are you doing?" And Mo Jay Happ said it. <laughs> it's like, "What you, the hell are you doing? You want me? My ERA is like eight. Yeah, what are we doing here, John? You, that the game plan was simply, we need to buy some time, not ruin our young young pitcher pitchers' arms, and get to the offseason and 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 reevaluate. And what the Cardinals did that that year was went on an epic. Run, yeah, I don't see that happening. And what happened? Well, then they still lost. The team isn't good enough. No, I know. So to get back to Vic's question about what would you, what would you guys? And and I don't think he was provoking. I think he was asking a serious question. But what would I say? I would say you haven't learned anything. You haven't learned anything. You can't merely get into the postseason anymore. There's too many teams that make it. Anthony, the Phillies. Okay. Last year. You have that talent? 
Do you have do you have two aces? They they, that's they what only the won Phillies 82 had. games last year. They limped into the wild card and went to the World Series. I'll ask again. Do you have Aaron you Nola want, you and want Zach recency? Wheeler? It was last year, Anthony. Do you have those two guys? Give me a guy. Name a guy. I didn't realize that Miles Michaelis turned into Aaron Nola. He could. When did Jordan Montgomery turn into a right-handed version of Zach Wheeler? You tell me. Are you going to start with the pitching? Don't tick me off. Why don't you just go with the easy tapping? Don't, don't tick let's me off. Let's go position players. Okay, let's do go, that. Let's go. Schwarber. Kyle Schwarber. Who's our Kyle Schwarber? Alec Burleson. No. Contreras. Okay. Uh, I'll still take Schwarber. Well, JT Real Muto. You've got Paul Goldschmidt. Bryce Harper. Nolan Arnato. <laughs> what? Nicholas Castellanos. <laughs> Jordan Walker. Okay. <laughs> I'm screwing with you, but I'm not at the you, same time. You really want to do this at 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 two thirty? You want to do this That's this early in the today, show? Huh? You're already this tapping er, out. This early in the show? You just tap out. Anthony. Reese Hoskins. We're still playing this game. Sure. That's what the Phillies had last year. Alec Bohm. I'd have to take a look at that lineup. <laughs> I bet I could match it. You go for it, Jamie. Unbelievable. Just get in, Anthony. You just never know. No, right. I'm totally joking. With I that, know. I know you are. I'm just getting you, you all upset. Look at yeah. you right now. I'm, Marcy, I'm flustered. I'm, Marcy, I'm ticked him. off. Look at him. Red in the face a little bit. The hands are going to start hands, flowing here in a second. They already are. You got a pen out, and I know whenever you start clicking the pen and writing down, like <laughs> you're getting pissed. I... Lighten up, Francis. Okay, the... just no, lighten up. No, this team's in last. This team's in last. They are in last. And we're talking about well, what if they get on a 17 game winning talk streak? About that you come said on. It. You said it. So at some point, we got to grow up here. Anthony, between you and I, right now, the two of us. At some point, we got to stop believing in unicorns. Who's the one that said they went on a 17 game tear? Was that you or was it me? You. No, you're lying because everybody now can see and hear everything we're doing. You're lying. It's not good. Your children might be watching YouTube right now, Anthony. I hope you not. You cannot lie. They're in camp right now. They are. Doing fun stuff. Ah, oh, good for them. Yeah. They're not thinking about the Cardinals, that's for sure. No, they are thinking about the Blues, though. Yes, they are. You guys are such idiots. Well, Janet, yeah, we, Janet well, we've yes. never refuted that. Mm-hmm. It's always sunny in St. Louis. That's next on 101 ESPN. The smartest way to do your homework is Warm weather means homework for homeowners. If your homework means a new deck, turn to the deck experts at Hackman Lumber. Browse the largest inventory of decking materials and deck accessories in Missouri at Hackman Lumber Company. Talk with their experts about treated lumber, cedar, timber tech, Trex, Evergreen, and Azek to find the best deck for you. Check out endless choices of railings, balusters, and LED deck lighting options. Hackman Lumber Company will not be undersold on in-stock decking materials guaranteed. You can choose to do it yourself with Hackman's expert advice, or they can recommend reputable contractors to do the work for you. Hackman Lumber St. Peter's is your go-to place for a huge selection of quality bedding plants, perennials, and hanging baskets. They also carry topsoil and potting mix for your gardening needs. Come visit all Hackman Lumber showrooms in St. Charles, Pacific, and Troy, Missouri, or online at hackmanstl.com. Back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.
Sedanian for the clear shot by Sundquist. He scores. The Blues' fourth line does it again. The McTerrific pair. They went together like lamb and tuna fish. That's right. <laughs> Which prefer peanut butter and jelly. <laughs> Oscar Sunquist signs a deal with the Blues today for league minimum. And this was a player that, and by the way, that audio 2019 Western Conference Finals when the Blues knocked off the Sharks en route to. It's, it's stop. Yeah, it's still Just sting stop. A little bit. No, it doesn't sting. Usually you well up a little bit. No. It's all right. I don't like the Sharks. I mean, Sharks, cool fish. I think we could all agree. Shark Week. See, I don't feel like you're talking about the actual shark. I feel like you're Trojan horsing it about your San Jose Sharks. No. Hmm. Jaws, one of the uh, top three movies ever made. Anthony, are you going to see Meg 2? Probably not. Now, why is there a Meg 2? You went, you went one beneath, wasn't enough. You went beneath the, <laughs> beneath the surface even more. You don't like megalodons? You just like normal sharks. Well, no. I mean, a, 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 megalodon, is, a megalodon is fantastic. Yeah. San Jose megalodons don't exist, Marcy. <laughs> Not <they> yet. <laughs> Could be a minor league affiliate. So Oscar Sunquist. Now, this is a player, Jamie, that you had talked about about a month ago. How the Blues should entertain yeah, bringing Army back Sonny. Yeah, listening again. Mm-hmm. It's okay, Doug. I'm here for you. Sonny's been going to the... Soccer games. The clues were all around us. Going up in the arch. Yeah. Saw him no, at the free zoo. This is a this is a great the, signing. Saw him at the penguin uh well, he's, place he there. still has a home here, Anthony. He Loves calls here. he always said he calls St. Louis home. Well now he can at least call it home for another year. Mm-hmm. I think it's a wonderful signing by the Blues. Look, I don't know what version of Oscar Sunquist we're gonna get. He's been injured. He's been battling the injury bug for a couple of seasons now. But if you Right now, you slot him in as your fourth-line center. If he's healthy, he can play up and down your lineup. And you know what you're getting. You're getting a guy that uh, he he cares about the team. He penalty kills. He can play the power play. Heck, never mind. What? Never mind me telling you about it. Craig Berube was on the balloon party this morning with Chris Kerber, and this is what Chief had to say about Oscar Sundquist. Sonny's been a real good player for us. He obviously had some injuries with his knee um, that took some time to recover from. But he's feeling good. His knees are feeling good. So I'm excited to have the guy back. I really enjoyed coaching him. He brings a personality, brings that gamesmanship on the ice. He plays a hard game every night, which is important. Uh, He leads the way that way. So Oscar's a very well-liked guy on our team with with the players. Um, coaches, management, so we're excited. He's also a guy that embodies everything you want your team to be when you're Craig Berube and his staff. You lost Ryan O'Reilly last year via trade, and then he signed in Nashville this year. Ryan O'Reilly embodied a lot of the same qualities as Oscar Sundquist. Are they the same player? No, of course they're not the same player. But you're trying to get that culture back to what you want it to be, and Sonny's a great way to do that. And slowly but surely here, Anthony, Doug Armstrong has done one hell of a job of retooling this team into a playoff contender. Can I take a second and rhyme, run through my, my mocked lineup? Yeah. So as I got to the office today, I started checking some things out and looking at some numbers, and I came up with this as my lineup. If you have first line, be Pavel Buchnevich, Robert Thomas, Jordan, Cairo. Mm-hmm. Your second line, Brandon Saad, Braden Shen, Kasperi Kapanen. Why Kapanen instead of Verona? Kapanen plays better with Braden Shen. Statistically, he's had more success with Braden Shen than Verona has. Uh-huh. Your third line would be Wait, Ver- 
How did you know that? I Gut? No, no, Anthony. The analytics told me that. Well, analytics are garbage. You're right. I just had a feeling that there that was go. the case. That's old school hockey. Thank you, Jamie. Continue. You're welcome. My third line is Verana, Hayes, and Sammy Blay. Okay. Jake Neighbors may be able to get up there. Him and Sammy Blay might play a little of uh, the back and forth between third and fourth line. But then my fourth line is Neighbors, uh, Sunquist, Torpchenko. That's a pretty good lineup. Like, it doesn't scream Stanley Cup contender right away. It's deep, though. It is. And thank you for noticing. And the Blues, though, with a lineup like that, they can compete. They can compete to get in the playoffs. And then when you, you die, so your extras at this point would be Mackenzie McEachern and Nathan Walker. You still have Alexandrov and Zach Dean that, you know, probably be in Springfield. And you go to your defense core. And this is the big question mark is your decor. Because can they improve from what they were last year? Because there are no changes per se. Perunovic now will be on a one-way contract, which means he'll be here all year, and so will Tucker. But there's no real changes. So you got Letty and Pareko, Krug and Falk, Perunovic, Bortuzzo, Tucker, Scandella. And you got Rosen as your ninth guy. That's a, that's a good lineup. Jamie, it's a solid lineup. You always talk about playing defense. It's a five. It's a five-man unit i mean it's not just the defenders with the additions that army has made since the deadline and given your lineup projection there with the line those line combinations as is do the four does, do the, does this group of forwards offer a better defensive lineup than a year ago or is it still we will see because we focus so much on the defenders yeah but as we've talked about, I mean, the, the, the forwards need to participate as well. I don't know if it's a – it's tough to say it's better because you had, you had Barbashev and O'Reilly last year on your mm-hmm. team too up front. Those are pretty reliable defensive forwards. You had Noel Achari, who was pretty reliable as well. But I believe that this forward group is deeper to a man. And when you have Sunquist on there uh, and you've got Shen, you've got Bucci, you've got Saad, those guys are pretty responsible. The question marks up front – are going to be Thomas and Cairo, Verana, and Sammy Blay. Those are your question marks, like can they bring the 200-foot game all the time? Sammy Blay certainly showed us a lot. After the trade deadline, he was phenomenal here, and they went on to play at the World Championships and was really, really good there as well. So I think Sammy Blay is trending in the right direction. You know, Torpchenko, this is a kid that's ready to make the next strides. He's a very responsible player up front, too. He gets in on the forecheck. He's a big body. You know, Kevin Hayes. He's also a very intelligent player. He's a big body. Can he bring a consistent 200-foot game? This is where the Blues, for me, there's a question mark about you know whether or not they can get to the playoffs is can these guys consistently do their job. Mm-hmm. But to your point, Anthony, talking about Craig Berube and talking about five-man units, Chief was talking about that as well earlier today, and here's what he had to say. Well, I think the forwards are a big part of it. You, know, you need everybody on the ice to do the job defensively. It's not just the D. It, you know, too much, in my opinion, was put on the defense core, and that's not fair. Um, you know, the forwards are just as much to blame. They're just as much to, you know, that they have to help out. It's all it's on all of us. It's not on one area, you know what I mean? Yep. On the coaches and the players. And we got to do a better job next year. We didn't do a good enough job. And like I said, if you don't play good defense, and I'm not – I'm not talking about 
not tried to, to score goals or anything like that. You know, just check, check, and good things happen the other way when you check. And we got to do a better job of that, of the checking side of things. And that's, that's really a team commitment. And it's selflessness, you know, that when you play good defense and do them little things that are needed, uh, you're being a selfless hockey team. As a hockey team, you have success most of the time. That's what a guy like Oscar go. Sundquist brings to the table as well. It's team first mentality. We've seen it over and over again with him. He never is it about Oscar Sundquist. So I think that with the guys that you brought in here, with the Cap and Verana on the reclamation projects, they for me they've exceeded expectations already. Hopefully they keep trending that way. Hayes, he's got a chip on his shoulder. He wants to show the entire hockey world, specifically maybe the head coach in Philadelphia, <laughs> that this is a true all-around player. And that he can play for a tough coach because he's going to be playing for Craig Berube. It has nothing to do with not being able to play for a tough coach. You had neighbors, he's got something to prove. He wants to be a full-time NHLer. Torpchenko, full-time NHLer. You have a lot of guys now that have a reason to be prepared for the upcoming season. So I really like uh, everything so far that Doug Armstrong has done. I specifically really like the Oscar Sundquist signing. That's Jamie Rivers. I'm Anthony Stalter. It's a fast lane on 101 at ESPN. If you got a question for us, you can text in 314-399-9646. That's our Air Comfort Service text line. We've got our Sports 6 back next on 101 ESPN. Back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. I have a question. It's time for the Fast Lane to answer your sports questions. I want to ask you a bunch of questions. I want to have them answered immediately. Asking me all these weird questions. Answer the question. Answer the question. Answer me! The Sports Six Pack is refreshed by Maggie O'Brien's. Your go-to Irish pub in St. Louis for over 42 years. With Jamie Rivers, I'm Anthony Stalter. Here's Andrew Marsh with your questions via the Air Comfort Service text line for the Sports Six Pack. Question number one. All right, guys, we were just talking about Oscar Sundquist and his return to the Blues from the 314. What do you think the starting five will be for the Blues in the season opener? Starting five. Wow. Okay. Well, hockey's a little different than basketball uh, as far as that's concerned because sometimes you start the five guys that are a better matchup versus the other team because when you're the home team, you get to submit your lineup second. It's mm-hmm. like matching lines. So it's not always like, who who's your starting five? Right. Nah, who's my starting five tonight? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, depending on who they play. But who's your top line? Who's your top yeah, top pair? Well, of the top line's easy. It's Booch, Thomas, and Cairo. It has to be. It has to be. Those are your three most dynamic players up front. They have to be your starting three. And on defense, uh, if I was to pick just two defensemen, I mean, it would be Pareko and Falk. Now they're both right-handed shots, so that's you know. But if I'm going with my two best defensemen, it's Falk and Pareko. If I'm going with the starting pair to go with those guys, if I was starting Booch, Thomas, and Kairou, I would start Krug and Falk. Puck movers with dynamic talent. Then I'd come back with Shen, Saad, and Kapanen, Letty, and Pareko. What's your top power play? Well, Anthony, that's kind of throwing me into a pickle here, but uh, definitely Booch, Thomas, Kairou. Uh, I think that uh, you're going to probably want Kevin Hayes, net front presence, or Braden Shen, net front presence. And then you you have to go with Tory Krug, you have to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's your quarterback. Well, he's one of the most productive defensemen, point wise, on the power play for the last decade. Yeah. You have to go back to him. If that doesn't work, then you can start to dabble with Perunovic on the first unit, 
Um, but you know, you got you got to give Tory Krug his chance to to redeem, like, sure. or to take his spot. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Question number two. Guys, I saw this question on Twitter yesterday uh, posed by Adam Reed, who is the communications assistant for the Atlanta Gladiators, a.k.a. Anthony's favorite ECHL team. Uh, the question is, if you were a professional athlete, which five teams are on your no-trade list? So any sport. Any sport. Or we can categorize oh, a certain sport. Where sports. did you see this? It was on Twitter. That's, that's really good. Is it the good. Heat Daddy? I saw it from a guy named uh, Adam Reed, who uh, works for the Atlanta Gladiators of the ECHL. Okay, because I saw it from the Heat Daddy. Heat Daddy? I love Heat <laughs> Daddy. He's that's always posting really, something. That's a really fun question. So All right, what so is it? are we doing How? any sport, or, or are we, we going to break it up? I mean, we can make it our own, too. We could do maybe one from each, one or two from each uh, professional sport. So, hockey-wise, let's see here. Where would I not want to be? Uh, kind of played everywhere just saying um hmm. i mean one of my i'll just say one of my it might it might be number one but the cleveland browns i i will not go to the factory of sadness hmm. what league are we starting with here that'll make it easier for me the nfl anything no we just start with okay league. well then because the, i'm looking the, the, the I, NHL. I what do you have pulled up well, you just went football I know, but what do you have pulled I, up? I, now I have the NFL pulled up. So okay, well let's then stay let's in our lane the here for a second. Jesus, God, it's like my kids just bouncing around. Like all my over father, the oh. place. <laughs> it's a joke. <laughs> Did you just call me your father. Yeah. <laughs> Someone on YouTube, YouTube said that uh, that uh, that Jamie could be your father. You went. No, he could. That's what they said. Yeah. No. no. <laughs> <laughs> the age gap is definitely not that, not that wide. Well, never know. Um, okay, so... <laughs> Jamie was active. I don't know if he was that active not that early. that age. My God. <laughs> I'd be high-fiving myself. Anyways, <laughs> to team that I would... Uh, yeah, Anthony, I, I hate to say it, but... Yeah, Cleveland just doesn't interest me at all. Like, even Arizona, they suck, but boy, I'd play in Phoenix yeah, or Scottsdale. Right, like, right. yeah. No, Cleveland for me. Uh, let's go to the NHL real quick. Winnipeg. That's on my no, list. No, you're wrong, man. What really? a city. What a city. If you play for the Winnipeg I've Jets, I've been to man, Winnipeg. Winterpeg is really, it's cold as hell in the winter. There's no doubt about it. But that's a really good Fan base, great people there. So I'm I'm thinking from a where would I want to live standpoint. I so agree. you're looking at it from the fan base standpoint, and that's that's totally fair. I'm I actually looking at it from both standpoints. From both. And I feel okay. like the fans the positives outweigh the negatives when it comes to the weather mm-hmm. there. Where I where I lean to in the NHL is I just I there's a reason not why everybody leaves Columbus. Mm. Yeah. Columbus I, is a cool city though. It is if you're a college student. That's true. And the players who live there say the suburbs are fantastic. Mm-hmm. They resemble St. Louis. Beautiful homes, beautiful schools and neighborhoods. But I just don't know, man. Mm-hmm. There's something about it. I'm just, yeah, I'd be out on uh, Columbus. I am going to say the Coyotes. You don't want to live in Scottsdale, Anthony? I don't want to play for that organization. You don't want to, uh, you don't want to play in a college? Arena? No, no. You don't want to go back to college, Anthony? I, I would like to go back to college, just not to play for a professional team like that. I would, And the Royals would be the what? top of the, the baseball list there. The Royals? Let yeah. me see. There, no, there's got to be somewhere worse than Kansas. I like Kansas City. I, the city is fine. I'm not going to go to that. I mean, outside of the two years 
the back-to-back World Series runs there. They've done nothing in three decades. I don't even care. I, uh, to me, I'd be circling back to Cleveland on this one. Or no, Baltimore. No, thank you. You want to play for the God. Orioles? Have you ever been to Baltimore, Anthony? I've been to D.C. Let me tell you a story. That area. About, I've been to Baltimore. Let me tell you a story mm-hmm. about Baltimore. It's a beautiful We're back park. to 1993 or 94, playing in Baltimore in the American Hockey League. They were called the Baltimore Bandits. Hmm. They had a 4,000-seat arena that uh, they probably sold 250 tickets for the games. You'd go out for the games, and you know, like people would cheer for the home team. You'd be like, yay! <laughs> Hear like 10 people clapping. <laughs> it was terrible. We stayed at the Days in Baltimore, mm, Anthony. Nice. Quite the place. Uh, there was a live shooting in the hallway. At well, the, we were in the hotel. What and were we they were, filming? Uh, no, nothing. It was gunshots. Oh. We were like, I was like, what the hell is that? We opened the doors. Guys running down the hallway with a gun, shooting his like. I was like, all right. Well, hey, guys, don't worry about it. Everybody just go back to sleep. Everything's going to be just fine. Was it the bandit mascot? No, it wasn't. No, I Jamie would have taken would've, care of that. Yeah, Jamie would have taken care of that. Uh, no, I think I think the, the Orioles would be a fantastic organization to play for. I mean, I love the nope. I love the park. I love their first-round pick a year ago. I think that they, I do love they that. would be great. Yeah, that's great, Anthony. You can go there. Okay. In fact, I'll buy your ticket. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> what about the NBA? What? What? OKC, no thank you. Uh, oh, I've been there. It's a nice spot. I just... Mm. I wouldn't want to play for... If I'm trying to win, I definitely... Utah. Yeah, Utah, just... Mm, I'm out on the... Weird fans. Okay. Salt Lake City is beautiful, though. Uh, it's beautiful. I'm okay on that. What about Charlotte? Cool. Oh, like, cool no, players. Charlotte's awesome. Charlotte's, yeah, Charlotte but their be... team... You know what? Is I don't want to be. I don't want to be in Milwaukee. No thanks. I, I spent... think we could make that for every single sport. Milwaukee? Except for Green Cleveland. Bay. I think it'd be cool to play for Green Bay, even I, though I, I am a Vikings fan. I think I could roll the dice on Cleveland, too, and have the same effect. Like I yeah. don't, I wouldn't want to be a yeah. Cleveland Cavalier. I wouldn't want to be a Cleveland Brown. I wouldn't want to be a Columbus I mean, like, Blue Jacket. <laughs> I wouldn't want to be a Columbus Blue Jacket. I would not, you know, what the, the, Guardians, the Guardians are okay, but that's, so I'll just, I'll just do that. I'll I'll just go Cleveland slash Columbus across the board. I wouldn't want to go to Fine. Ohio State, you know. Yeah, mm-hmm. I I'm proud out. proud program. I'm but... out on Milwaukee. I've spent a lot of time in Milwaukee. It's it's, right. it's 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 mid to say the least. There you go. And they have haunted hotels too. They do question no, no, number three. Uh, from the 573, Jamie, you'll appreciate this question. How did Pete Alonzo go from dancing in the Home Run Derby in 2021 to embarrassingly uptight the last two years? I wonder what his attitude is in the Mets clubhouse. Oh, Pete Alonzo, he's day-to-day right now with hurt feelings. He, <laughs> he's not going to be able to play properly after sucking so bad at the Home Run Derby. Quite honestly, if I was his teammate, knowing just what kind of a dork he is, I think the first thing i walk in and be like, man, that went rough, huh? <laughs> that pitcher was pretty good. And just keep the feet moving. Be like locked into his kitchen cooking steak and eggs. Did you not have the film on that on that starter that day, Petey? You didn't know he had nasty stuff yeah. blowing outside? <laughs> bust one in on your hands now? How about yesterday? So we see a great play by Adolis Garcia. We see a great play by Randy Rosarena. I thought last night... We get it, Marsh. They used to be in St. Louis. Okay. We get it. Garcia had Let two highlight go. reel catches. 
Last night, Austin Riley makes a great play at third base. Pete Alonzo on the other side of that with a nice scoop. I thought mm. it was a good scoop. I thought when he's running off the field, maybe he'd be like, hey, great play. Like, we're excited. This is the all-star game. Let's show some flair. He just straight face walks off. Oh he was still God, this guy the home run derby. Goofball. Like, he just... like, is his personality? Yeah. Yeah. No, thanks. Yeah, I'm out. No, thanks. Put Pete Alonzo on our node trade teammate list yeah i couldn't play for him them. actually no Aaron rogers i actually would love to play for the so you Mets. can beat him up I, I, no i wouldn't even i just get in his kitchen the whole Constantly. time just chirping him yeah he wouldn't know whether to crap or wind his watch jamie would be this established baseball player <laughs> right steady numbers across. he goes to the mets and all of a sudden his numbers tank <laughs> and people are like why like because he was trying to irritate Pete Alonzo the entire year. He didn't do anything else. He had a bad year because he was so obsessed with getting under Pete Alonzo's I'd probably skin. have a great year. I'm not going to lie. Some of the years where I was the biggest donkey mm-hmm. were some of my best years. Like my, my first year in Detroit was one of my best years. And I was literally signed to be like the locker room guy. Like, we don't know if you'll ever play, but... We know you're a good veteran, and you'll be good in the locker room, and you work hard. And that's my job. I was cool. like the entertainment director. I was like <laughs> Julie McCoy, the cruise director on the Love Boat. <laughs> Jamie's hockey DB said "glue guy" yeah. next yeah. to his uh, oh, position. Yeah, yep. yeah, real sticky. Jeremy Rutherford will join us in 15 minutes. Was the Cardinals' talent evaluation justified at the time of the deals that they uh, that they did make? We'll talk about that next on 101 ESPN. Back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Can we please stop talking about Mosellock's track record? His track record is awful. He's made the playoffs. But it's not because of him. It's because of luck and just finding these diamonds in the rough that somehow perform well. He's traded away our top prospect talent for nothing. What, Alcantara, Garcia, Gallon? I mean, do we need to go on? Oh, sorry, Randy Rosarena. And for what? So he had Marcelo Zuna, who basically was hitting in between Yelich and Stanton and had one good season because of it. Give me a break. This guy is a joke. He needs to go away. All right, so Ryan, uh, Ryan, (laughs) how do you think Ryan feels about Mo? I guess was the only thing that I wanted to ask. You know what? I'm going to go out on a limb here, Um, and I could be wrong. Mm Mm-hmm. I feel like he uh, doesn't like him. Mm. I could be wrong, Anthony. Maybe I maybe I heard it differently than you. I'll listen back. Hmm. See if I get a good gauge on it. There you go. One on one ESPN has your chance to win a four pack of tickets to next Tuesday night's Budweiser Bash for Cardinals versus Marlins. We're going to do it right now. Next week's Bud Bash game features a limited edition Brad Thompson bobblehead, and if you have the correct answer. To our trivia question today, text in now at 314-399-9646 to win the Budweiser Bash tickets for Cardinals versus Marlins. you got to be the 101st texter. So this gives people that are listening via the app an opportunity with the, with the delay 
to still have an opportunity to win. And you get all the details on this season's series of Budweiser Bash Cardinals games now at cardinals.com slash promotions. So, do we have the audio ready, Marsh? Let's play the audio first, and we'll give you the trivia question. We're going to see the Major League debut of 23-year-old right-hander Brad Thompson just called up. He's a baby-faced 23-year-old. I talked to him this morning. He's excited to be here, was relieving in Memphis, and his first pitch as a big league pitcher is inside to Damian Jackson. He got him. Ojeda doesn't like the call, and Brad Thompson gets his first big league strikeout. Well, this is a pitch that Brad Thompson will remember for the rest of his life. Did he you hit always the remember your first strikeout? No, not really. <laughs> oh, Ricky Orton. Ricky? Come on. He well, hit the he target. It was a strikeout. Ish. It was a strikeout. It's Darn right it was. So who, which team Why did... Why are you being negative to our guy BT? Well, if he, if, if he missed the target, he just he what, missed the target. What's your joy in that? There's no joy in it. The Why joy you, is in the strikeout. He got a strikeout, and you're like, meh, meh. How many major league strikeouts do you have, Anthony? As of right now? As of right now. Zero. Exactly. Me too. Ten years <laughs> from now? Who knows? <laughs> Who really knows? Cardinals are looking. Uh, <laughs> you don't want me. Uh, Cardinals, that was what, May 8th, 2005. So which team did BT pick up his first strikeout against? That's your trivia question. Again, text in 314-399-9646. Got to be the 101st text with the correct answer. So let's circle back to what Ryan was saying there at the start of the segment about Mo's track record. I, I at, at some point, you got to give Mo as much as you, you dislike his – his track record or his uh, whatever, his his resume. You can't sit here and say that, well, you know, he just he found these diamonds in the rough and they worked out. He got lucky. That's part of his job is to find diamonds in the rough, rough that turn out that turn out good. Yeah. It's uh, I'll, I'll say this again because I think we we get a little nuts when it comes to looking at when it comes to grading whether or not a general manager has had success, what Dave Dombrowski has done in Philadelphia is is not impressive to me. Why do you go back to Dave all the time? Because everybody seems to love Dave Dombrowski. Do they? Yes, because he's the anti-mo. Well, what about the Mets? Fine, let's go to the Mets then. That's a layup too. What about the Dodgers? Dodgers are skill. What about the Yankees? A mixture of skill and... Big pocket spending. Like right. The Dodgers have big pockets, but the, the way that Andrew Friedman built that organization, he actually started off by getting rid of all the crap contracts that the previous GM signed before. He goes, we got to start over here. We have lost our way. Just spending money doesn't equate to success. So what Friedman did was he got in, cleared out all the bad contracts, which is not unlike what Theo Epstein did in Chicago, and then reestablished his core via the draft, then started adding. But along the way, he found guys like Max Muncy and Justin Turner. When Muncy and Turner, other teams, Turner especially, didn't know what they had. Yeah. So he found those diamonds in the rough. The same guys that Ryan's talking about. Mo has done that. What Dave Dombrowski or Cohen has done is just spend money. You can look, you have a big market, big market with some star talent, and you're acquiring that you you have enough to say, hey, Trey Turner, do you want to play with Bryce Harper and Kyle Schwarber? And all? Yes. Okay, cool. What contract do you want? This. 
Done. That's not impressive. I'm not saying it is. And the bottom's going to fall out for Philadelphia, just like it, it will for the Mets eventually, if not, not, you know, if not sooner. That's why I, I go just, to them. But I just wondered if there was another reason that I didn't know about. No. I, I hear, for me, I hear Dave Dombrowski a lot. You know, you don't, Mo's no Dave Dombrowski. Mo doesn't have the ownership group that is telling him you have blank checks to write. Yeah. So Mo's got to do it more in the way of what these other teams have done. And to date, it's a massive mixed bag. You can't say he's done a great job just based on the Cardinals team success because you have to factor in the the fact that the NL Central sucks year after year. That's but not you also but you also can't, can't pin that on Mo. You can't pin it on Mo. Can't. But you also can't on the on the other side just say that he's done nothing right. No. To your point yesterday about Nolan Arenado, he did make the move for Arenado. He did make the move for Goldie and then signed him to a long-term deal. He did oversee a drafting and development team that now has fetched you Donovan, Walker, Gorman, Newt, Dylan Carlson. I realize not all these guys or any of these guys are superstars, but they are playing for your big league roster well, right now. And I think that that's important to isolate for a second, Anthony, is that teams go through – how many rounds are there in Major League Baseball? 487. There's a lot, right? They're still going now. I know. It's crazy. I still see – I'm like, that's like a week ago they started this right. thing. Oh, yeah. But it's a year-long thing. So for a team to end up with major leaguers, that many from their draft, whether they're impact players or just everyday players, whatever it is, that's good. There's so many guys that you draft that don't ever play one minute in the majors. Mm-hmm. And so you have to look at that as a small success that you're drafting at least the right players that can play Major League Baseball and a couple that have some tremendous upside that they could be difference makers. Yes. Yeah, you get, you're filling a roster. Mm-hmm. You're not going to have I mean, with the well, Braves. You're going to have a Jordan Walker every single time, right. or Nolan Gorman. Every, like you, you have to sprinkle in the Brendan Donovan. You sure. Sprinkle in a Newt Bar here and there. If you're talking about the most impressive organizations as of right now, in terms of evaluation, the draft, and all that, you're talking about the Braves, clearly. And you could say, well, they, they, they signed these guys. They didn't sign everybody. They drafted these guys. They developed these guys. And then supplemented their roster with free agents or or trade acquisitions like a Matt Olson, like a Sean Murphy. It didn't just start in free agency and they just kept building the way the Phillies are, which I don't think is the, the, the best model. The Braves are impressive. The Dodgers are impressive. The, the Padres Rays, are throw money at it, the, too. Yes, the, the Padres are. We'll trade you every top prospect. We'll clean out our farm system yeah. to get proven talent. It hasn't worked And today. then we'll overpay them. And then we'll overpay them, is right. The... Uh, let's see, the Braves, the Dodgers, the, the Astros are impressive. The Astros have guys that they built core. They built their core first, then they started to add in the Justin Verlanders and such. Uh, Garrett Cole, you get you get the point. Mo isn't anywhere close to these teams. Let's also not make it out to be that he's he's got the the Cardinals in the same boat as the Royals and the Tigers and the Rockies and some of these teams that don't they clearly don't know what they're doing. Mo and the Cardinals are painfully average. If you look at the top and the bottom of the league from a roster construction standpoint, from a talent evaluation standpoint, from a 
I wouldn't even say drafting because I think Randy Flores has done a great job. But overall, they are painfully average. And until they're 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 not painfully average, and they start to creep up to the teams that we just that we just talked about, you're going to get the same mediocre results, in my opinion. Here's Mo real quick. We got to got to get to Jerry. Here's Mo real quick on talent evaluation. Well, I think you know at the time where we thought our outfield was going to look like has not achieved Garcia has or, or even um, a Rosarena, and you know you try to pick the right players. Um, you know at the time I, I think. O'Neill and Bader were both more valued than them at the time of those deals. And, you know, now things have changed. And, you know, you're trying to get it right. You really are. Um, but, you know, clearly those look like mistakes. Those were mistakes. They clearly were. They made a decision. But, but, but they made a decision the moment, and, it, and Anthony, it didn't work out. In the moment, Mo's not wrong. He said at that time, Tyler O'Neill and Harrison Bader were were ranked higher, whatever the word is he used. Yeah. They were viewed as better players at that moment. Sure. And then he says, clearly those that was a mistake. So I mean, we can dog on Mo all we want, and trust me, I'll be I'll get in line to do it too. But you got to also have a little bit of honesty in your evaluation of John Mosellock. Mm-hmm. And at the time of those trades, those guys were projected to be better players, or they were on a quicker path to being better players. Didn't work out that way. He says, yeah, clear those were mistakes. Right. Yeah. They're, they're, these are decisions. They're decisions. Made a decision. And At least he said, clearly that looks like a mistake now. Right. And those two those two were, as were Dexter Fowler. Because Dexter Fowler, to me, is in the same conversation. Mm-hmm. You signed Dexter Fowler for what you did and give him five years. Well, now you're committed. You're pot committed to Dexter Fowler. You, you blanked up. Mm-hmm. So that was a mistake as well. I, to me, Jamie, the, the, Fowler, the Fowler decision was a bigger mistake than than even O'Neill and Bader, really. Well, I think it was for sure because what happens is you blocked some of your young guys right. and then you had to move on from some of your young guys because you're already paying a guy. Correct. I Correct. get it. I agree. For a guy the Cubs played at the wall knowing he couldn't move forward. What are we doing? So Fowler, again, was a bigger mistake to me than those other two. All right. Uh, we're late to get to JR. He understands. Oh, he's going to be pissed at you. Is he? Yeah, oh. he's already texting me. I'll tell him to blank off next on 101 ESPN. Oh, wow. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. It's time for the Rutherford Report on 101 ESPN. Anything you folks want to know about the fascinating world of pro hockey, here we go. Blues making a move earlier today and joining us to talk about it is our Blues insider with the Athletic, Jeremy Rutherford, who apparently has a uh, bone to pick with me. What's up, JR? <laughs> I don't, I don't. It's just I was sitting here patiently. I thought to myself, okay, they're a couple minutes late, no big deal. These are my boys. And then all of a sudden I hear, uh, oh, he can F off. Yeah, that was that was aggressive. <laughs> Up! Oh, somebody finally, somebody did it. Somebody finally cut. No, Jamie. I'm back. Oh, oh he's back. Son I didn't get up. electrocuted okay. that time. The mic in the nice. studio has been playing games around here, Jr. <laughs> it sounds like they're trying from... to sabotage me. I've been electrocuted like three times now. Yeah, he's, he's still standing though. <laughs> yeah, so. I kind of like it. Uh, Jr. A big move here, big depth move, signing Oscar Sunquist to a one-year deal. Uh, Jamie had brought it up a couple of weeks ago how uh, he thought that would be a, a great move. Can you talk about it from the Blues' perspective? Why bring back Sonny? Yeah, I thought that this could happen uh, going into July 1st. I talked to Oscar a couple times. He was hopeful that it could happen, but it, it uh, you know it didn't on July 1st. And then you see that they signed McKenzie McEachern, and you think, okay, maybe that's the spot that that, that money is going to go to. 
And I know uh, Oscar was uh, disappointed, but uh, he definitely wanted to be here, and they finally get it done today. I think they needed it. Look, the Athletic the other day asked all the beat writers a question and said, what does your team still need? What's the hole? And it took me a few minutes. I mean, you can talk about defense. You can talk about a lot of different areas of the team. But what's going to change? You know, unless you're able to make a trade on defense, that, that's not necessarily something you can, you can fix before the season starts. So my thing, what I said at the Athletic was, fourth line depth i felt like they were a body too short and so they bring in mckechran who had a good finish with carolina last year and now they bring in sunny that's a couple extra bodies and what's the theme here guys doug armstrong always loves the players that he knows in the past same with craig Gruby. they bring in two of them with mckechran and sunquist jr I, w- I went through the lineup uh earlier here just kind of a mock roster and of course things can happen things can change but when I look at this team right now, and I realize it's simply on paper, it feels like Army has done a great job of making this a playoff contender for next year. I think this. I think that if, if, if the defense can play better, if the forwards can do a better job defensively, like Craig Burby has been telling you guys and others, that's not just the defense minutes, it's the forwards as well. If that team defense is there this year, you can take this roster and make the playoffs. Now, can you be first or second in the Central? Can you go three rounds? I think you'd have to be playing above your head to be able to do that. But I think on paper, with the depth, uh, you know, I'm trying to do lines here, and guys are getting pushed out as they sign uh, additional players. You know, there's some depth here, both uh, up front and defensively, when you talk about defensively, Akale Rosen being ninth on the depth chart. So, yeah, I think there's a roster here. I think you're right. Um, you know, I think it's a team that can get into the playoffs, whether they can make any noise or not. You know, I, I just don't think they're there. Uh, you, you can obviously agree with me or not, but I feel like the roster, especially now, has a bunch of guys that have something to prove. And when you look at almost each individual on this roster, whether it's they, whether it's them coming from another team or played on this team last year and didn't have the year they wanted. I feel like there's a lot of guys that have something to prove. A hundred percent. I think if you, if you had to come up with a theme for the team right now, going into the season, that's what it is, Riv. It's something to prove. And I talked to Kevin Hayes about that a couple weeks ago in Nashville when he showed up there. I said, you know, between yourself and Rana and Kapanen, you know, those guys come to St. Louis and they're on the last year of their deals. You look at Thomas and Cairo, they definitely have something to prove with their contracts jumping up to 8.125. Uh, you look at some of these guys. Look at Nathan Walker. He's got a spot. He did something last year. And now with the addition of Sunquist and McEachern, does he even have a spot in the lineup? Jake Neighbors looks like a good young prospect. And if you do the math, you know, does he have a spot here? So, uh, And then you go back to the defense. You know, Nothing to be said there. Those guys definitely have something to prove. And I think Jordan Bennington, too. Some criticism, even as well as he played, carried the team at times last year. Something to prove. I think Army, from that perspective, has put this team in a really good spot that these guys – at least have something to play for uh, as a team, but also individually. Jeremy Rutherford is our Blues insider with The Athletic. He joins us right now on the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. JR, we know that the the, the defense is going to be the thing that we all focus, focus in on heading into next year. Is there anything that Army can, can do at this point in the offseason, anything that you anticipate he can do to improve that, that area of the roster? Yeah, something like that. It's it's tough to forecast because you can know that Army would like to do something, right. but there's just so many variables with uh, you know with the guys having no trade clauses like a Tory Krug. You know that trade would be done and these players would be moving on. 
had Tory Krug approved it. And that's not to criticize him. He certainly earned that right, has that right. It's just that's the way the game works is that deal was not able to go through. So does Doug Armstrong have some other option, some other situation, some other team that would take a Tory Krug, that would take a Nick Letty? You know, I, I don't know that there's one out there, but there could be tomorrow. Who knows? I think at this point, you know, Doug Armstrong is going to continue to explore that and, and, you know, maybe the phone does ring. But I think he's also probably content believing, like he said a couple times this offseason, he thinks those guys can be better. And with what he's done up front, again, if, if, he, if these guys can be better next season defensively, then this is what this retool is going to look like for a couple years until those contracts uh, shave a couple years and maybe a Krug, a Letty, somebody's got a year or two, three left on their deal as opposed to four or five, you know, maybe then he could move them. So they're just going to have to kind of you know, live and, and move forward with the bed that they made contract-wise and, and see where it takes them. JR, when you look at the decor, uh, we talked about it earlier and you just talked about too, it's kind of nine guys deep right now. Where do you see Scott Perunovich? In this in this roster, because with with Letty and Krug on the left side, undersized, smaller guys, not very physical, and then you had Perunovic in there. I'm just wondering what his path is to being a regular. Yeah, I think it's going to be the biggest storyline in camp is what's going to happen with these uh, defensemen. You know, you would have to assume if all four top four guys are in camp, they haven't been traded, everybody's there and accounted for, that it's probably going to be Pareko, Letty, and it's going to be. Krug and Falk, and then you look at the rest of the list, and it, it's uh, Tyler Tucker. You know, this is a retool. They really love Tyler Tucker. They want to get him in the lineup. I think he's going to be out there. You know, is there room for a Prinovich to get out there, and if he plays well, he stays in the lineup, and maybe he, he jumps a Tucker, or he plays on the right side too, Riv. Can he play on the right side with Tyler Tucker? It's two young guys, inexperienced, but then you're looking at no Bortuzzo, and he's kind of a cog in, the, in that PK uh, and, you know, we didn't even get to Kylie Rosen. So, you know, there's some guys on this team that I think uh, defensively are, are going to have to either have a heck of a camp or one of those top four guys is just not going to be cutting it and they're going to move them down to the third pair or possibly out of the lineup. So you're, you're looking at eight one-way contracts. Keep this in mind. Doug Armstrong did say a couple weeks ago in Nashville, two reporters, he could see the team starting with 13 forwards and eight defensemen. That's what we're looking at right now. JR, great stuff as always. Sorry, sorry we were late, buddy. Oh, get out of here anytime. I'm just glad you're keeping me in the offseason here, so I appreciate well, you guys. No, you do great work, JR, so we appreciate you. Check Did you out. Did say we? Yeah. You're driving this thing, Anthony. That's on you. Okay, I appreciate you certainly much more than Jamie does. So we- <laughs> All right. Well, hey, keep, get, Thanks, keep getting nasty on a Wednesday here. Right. <laughs> See you, buddy. All right. That's Jeremy Rutherford at JP Rutherford on Twitter. You're already following JR, I'm sure, but better place to like to uh, give a shout-out to his uh, – you know, his Twitter page. Absolutely. It deserves love, too, Jamie. Yeah, he has a new uh, little article out right now talking about a bunch of players, uh, past players, talking about Doug Armstrong. So go oh, check nice. that out. It's good pretty stuff. good. It's got Bacchus, Steen, a couple other guys. Nice. That's Jeremy. Jeremy. That's, no, I'm Jamie Rivers. Yeah. That you're, was Jeremy You're still Rutherford, JR, though. And you're Anthony Slater. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we're the Fast Lane. NFL Four Downs next on 101 ESPN. Back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. All right, time for the NFL Four Downs in the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN with Jamie Rivers. I'm Anthony Stalter. Here's Andrew Marsh. 
first down. All right, gentlemen, first down. Can Sean Payton salvage the back half of Russell Wilson's career? I think he can. It's just a matter of if Russell Wilson's going to buy in. Because let's not forget why Russell Wilson is a Denver Bronco. He's a Denver Bronco because he thought he could do more than what Seattle allowed him to do in the offense. And actually, Seattle did a nice job in the one year that they let Russ cook for half the season. He was an MVP candidate, which apparently is all he wants. He wants to put up MVP numbers and be this big-time passing. You know, he's never won an MVP, so he wants to put up these big-time passing numbers and all that. Well, Seattle, midway through the year, said, okay, we've got to scale back. You're turning the damn ball over too much. He was fumbling a lot. He was throwing a lot of picks. It was an ugly game in Buffalo that year, and Pete Carroll put the brakes on and said, we're going to go back to doing what we do best and allow you to do your thing, which is we're going to run the ball, play action, and go that route. Russ didn't like it. Russ Russ went pout mode. Whoa. And then eventually wound up in Denver. And Denver said, here, Russ, take the franchise. You're our guy. We'll run your offense. And you saw how good that was last year. Yeah, so great. if Russell Wilson understands what Sean Payton did for his mentor, mentor, which is which is Drew Brees, or the guy he looked up to, then just fall in line, do what Sean Payton is asking you to do in the offense, and you're gonna the the, the Denver Broncos will be good. You may not put up big time numbers, but do you want to win games or not? Yeah. So I feel like Russell Wilson walked into a situation last year where it was the worst possible situation, and let me explain. You had a, I believe, first time head coach. Oh yeah. Nathaniel Hackett. Nathaniel Hackett. Uh, and Russell Wilson, an established Super Bowl champion quarterback yeah. that is now supposed to be the guy. Mm-hmm. It's just a bad recipe right there because Russell Wilson, not that he's disrespectful, but he's probably got his own thoughts and, and feelings about how he wants to run the offense. And he's looking at this other guy going, what the hell have you done? Type thing. Mm-hmm. Not that he did that, but, you know, it just set up for a bit of failure there. And then Russell played terrible did yeah. not play good whether it was the offense or russell wilson it just didn't work yeah, so fast forward now to sean payton sean payton walks in there with uh, some clout yep and he can grab russell wilson and say now this is the way we're doing it i don't care what you think i am i'm also a super bowl champion and we're gonna play it this way i think he can salvage russell wilson's career netflix did a movie about me russ that's right not mr unlimited not yet. It's in the works, I hear. They did a movie about you? About Sean. Oh, Anthony, I was being Sean Payton. Yeah. I remember you watched that movie. Yeah, the you, kids. Made, you made Killian watch it. No, I came home mm. and they had already watched it. That's and they thought, lie. Daddy loves mm. football. He'll love this movie. I, I talked to your children mm-hmm. and they said that Daddy made them sit on the couch and watch Daddy's movie because yeah. he said, he told us, you guys are going to love it. And if you don't, you have to go to bed. Mm-hmm. I have used the or just go to bed, but I yep. don't think it was for that movie. Killian was like, I don't want to go to bed, so I'll, I'll muscle mm-hmm. through this stupid movie. Well, he sleeps on tubs and <laughs> oh, on care. the ground and yeah. I can't everywhere wait for anyways. I can't to be yeah. in college. Oh, man. I So with Marsh's... <laughs> I'm going to be on his Insta page. <laughs> yeah, what Marsh is referring to. Who knows what social media will be around then? How far... Was that like six months ago, maybe? Ish. Yeah, somewhere, somewhere around there. there. I walked in. I walked into Killian's room because you know we we do the Chris and I do the the rounds at night. We shut everything down, go check on the kids, and I 
<laughs> went into Killian. He's five. I went to Killian's room. Killian wasn't in his bed. Mm-mm. And I'm like doing the, the, he's got one little nightlight on. And I'm like searching around the bed. Did he fall off the bed? Because he's been known to do that too. Mm. Fall, fall off and off. roll under. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So I'm checking everywhere. And then I look over and there, there was, there was these, these large Tupperware containers that you would have like in your garage or your basement. Full of some storage bins. Yeah, storage bins. Thank you. Storage You're bins. Welcome. He was sleeping on top of the storage bin. Uh-huh. Why? I have no idea. So comfortable. So I snapped a picture and I sent it to <laughs> Jamie <laughs> Marsh. And Jamie just responds. He goes, that's my spirit animal right there. <laughs> I asked him the next morning. I go, buddy, why were you sleeping on the, on the storage bins? He goes, I don't know. It's comfortable. Like, more comfortable than your bed? Uh, maybe he you goes, get him yeah. a new bed. <laughs> the bed's fine. Get him a Tempur-Pedic. I guess so, man. <laughs> or just get him a big Rubbermaid tub. Yeah, there you go, right. <laughs> Save us some money. Two nights later, he was doing the same thing. I go, this kid's something else. All right, go ahead. Second down. All right, guys, it appears that DeAndre Hopkins is drawing serious interest from just two teams, the Titans and the Patriots. Out of those two options, which team would you like to see DeAndre Hopkins play for next season? I'll go first on this one, Anthony. It's no brainer. The Patriots. I would love to see DeAndre Hopkins play for the Patriots, and I think it would be a really good matchup for Mac Jones to where he's got Mr. Reliable when he needs a pattern, when he needs the five yards, when he needs a that that dependable receiver to get the ball to. He just has to throw it in his direction. Mm-hmm. Now, can DeAndre Hopkins play in an offense that's going to be, I don't want to say be insulting, but kind of simplified or dumbed down because they have to cut, try and rebuild this whole offensive package after that disaster that was last year? Can he play in that? I think he can. Is he going to get a lot of touches? He probably will. Yeah. He'll probably get the most touches playing in, in New England based on the fact that they're going to need him to be that guy. Mm-hmm. So for me, I think the best fit is the Patriots. I'm with you there. I think he has an opportunity to make the biggest impact. Because Bill O'Brien is now, and it's ironic because Bill O'Brien is the guy that traded DeAndre Hopkins. But he really – He's, he had successful seasons under he, he absolutely B-O-B, did. Yeah, you know me. Yeah, when Bill O'Brien just calls the offenses, he's been fine. It's the Bill O'Brien GM that that made the mistakes. But when you look at the Patriots' depth chart at wide receiver, they got Devontae Parker, they signed Juju Smith-Schuster, and then it's Kendrick Bourne and Kendrick Bourne types. You know, Tyquan Thornton is basically a, a gadget guy, maybe a vertical threat, and that's about it. I think DeAndre Hopkins would have the biggest impact for the Patriots, and I want to see that division, which should be competitive as it is. The Patriots are the like the Patriots are the team that's projected to be in fourth place. Mm-hmm. That that would still be a really intriguing fourth place team to watch. As bad as the Patriots were a year ago, they won seven or eight games. We think of the Patriots as this natural disaster a year ago. Mm-hmm. They won, I think, I think they won seven games a year ago. So they're not that far off from giving the Bills and the Dolphins and the Jets some issues. So I, too, would rather see DeAndre Hopkins play in in New England than Tennessee. Third down. Guys, there's reports that the Dolphins offered Dalvin Cook a contract. He has yet to sign with anyone, and now the Jets are reportedly interested in Cook with Brees Hall still recovering from ACL surgery. Which team would Dalvin Cook make more dangerous, the Jets or the Dolphins? I think that... Dalvin Cook would be an outstanding ad for either team. I really want to see him play in Miami, though. One, I like Brees Hall. He probably would have won Rookie of the Year last year had he not gotten hurt. That went to his teammate, Garrett Wilson. But Miami, to add a Dalvin Cook, 
not only from a running running game standpoint, but also in the passing game where he's highly effective and give yet another weapon to Mike McDaniel. I'm thinking as a defensive coordinator, I'm already sweating bullets trying to figure out how to slow down Tyreek Hill. Then you got Jalen Waddell on the other side. They, you know, the, the tight end spot, they're moving in a different direction. They had Gasecki, but they barely used him. Now I got to worry about Dalvin Cook beating me on on third downs too uh, from from out of the backfield. I I think that would be a nightmare. Yeah, I agree with you, and I think that Miami establishing a running game also opens up the pass game for mm-hmm. them too. They can start drawing into some play action to get the defense to bite a little bit. You get a defensive guy that just nibbles by accident. Tyreek Hill's already three yards behind him. You're right. So I think that Dalvin Cook opens up a lot of options for the Dolphins. Fourth down. Last one here. Even though the value of the running backs have never been lower, are we seeing the league shift more to the running game? Anthony, I'm going to cue you up for this Mm -hmm. because Anthony is well known to just be like, just give me a running back. I don't care. But in fairness, Anthony's been right about that. And the league used to be run heavy, the 90s, right? Remember the yeah. 90s? You had to have an Emmett Smith. You had to have, a, you know. Barry Foster. Barry Sanders. He'll do too. Barry Sanders is awesome. Um, Christian Okoye, the Nigerian night train. Yes. You had to have a guy. And then the league went away from that. But now the league is going back to run heavy. Like you look at some of the teams that are successful because the defenses have gotten smaller, to your point. Absolutely. So the run game becomes a factor. So, Anthony, I'll let you handle yeah. this Well question. done. No, you're absolutely right, Jamie. So it's got the, we've got this shift. You see it in all sports, mm-hmm. right? Hockey, there's uh, a shift, and now it's kind of coming back around to some of the elements that Jamie, that you used to play. It, different rules, of course, but. Yeah, those were prison rules back then, Anthony. <laughs> Anything goes. But in the NFL, there's this shift. It went from, okay, now everybody's putting the ball in the air because all the defenders, big, heavy, middle linebackers to do what stop the run everybody went to the pass now you've got undersized front sevens and teams like the giants made the playoffs last year because they just pounded the ball against undersized defenses all year mm-hmm. wound up winning nine games the falcons are, are have had an had a horrible roster last year terrible they won seven games because all they did was run the ball there are teams the jets until getting Aaron Rodgers, I'd be interested to see what they do. Mm-hmm. The Jets won seven games because they pounded the rock. You are seeing more teams adopt running games because they know they don't have great defenses. They know offensive linemen would rather do what? Go forward than pass protect. And undersized defensive, defensive front sevens will start to wear down in the fourth quarter. That I'll just phrase it this way because people understand what I'm talking about. Je- it's kind of Jeff Fisher football. Hmm. Where we'll run the ball, keep the team in the game. Oh, I know. It's just it's I, funny. I yeah, you said seven wins for the Falcons. Exactly. And- That's about right. Yeah, yeah, 500, so- Mark. Not anymore. I got no quarterback. I got no defense. What are we going to do? We're going to run the ball. Did those teams run because they wanted to run, or did they run because their quarterback sucked? They ran because their quarterback sucked, and they had no defense. So now the Jets, for instance, if They'll they continue – but if they continue that, that will open up the passing game with a little bit more play action. Rodgers can roll out. We know what he can do when he throws Theoretically, the ball. yes, absolutely. But I'll give you other t- Denver. I think Denver's going to run the ball heavily this year, despite having even though whatever version of Russell Wilson. Yes, I think they're going to run the ball. with the injury last year to Javante yes. Williams? Yes, Green Bay is going to run the ball heavily. Mm-hmm. They're going to open up play action for Jordan Love. Denver, 
Green Bay. Atlanta's still going to run the ball 487 times a game. Mm-hmm. Carolina is going to run the ball heavily. Uh, any other team that just doesn't have a defense? I'm trying to think of one more. Steelers, I think, would be a team that if they get better offensive line play, we're on the ball heavily. I think you're going to see half the, half the league devote big-time rushing attempts this year. We'll see. All right, it's Fastlane on 101 ESPN. we got the gauntlet coming up in uh, less than 15 minutes. Steve is back. We'll take on either Jamie or Marsh after beating me yesterday in the gauntlet. But is it fair to criticize the front office for a lack of aggressiveness? Uh, yeah. That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fastlane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Moe's interview was fine with me, and I'm very critical of him. And the reason is, is we've been playing in a triple-A division for the last seven or eight years. A couple good years by the Cubs. You've got the Brewers. But when you play the rest of these teams 18 times a year, you're going to win the division a majority of the time. But what do you do when you go into the playoffs? How about one win, nine losses in the last 10? Last 22 games in the playoffs, five wins, 17 losses. It's like they barely built this team just to get by to win the division, but that's it. That was Todd. Todd is absolutely 100% correct. He's he's absolutely right. What's the biggest difference between this year and last year when the Cardinals won 90-plus games? Because the roster is fairly similar. The biggest difference is the division has gotten better and the and the Cardinals are not playing an NL Central division that one is bad more times. It is a balanced schedule. They're gonna have to change their ways. Todd is Todd is right. The the competition, I mean, let's let's really think about this. There's every year there's one team that the Cardinals have to contend with. That's it. And it all goes in cycles. Lately, it's been the Brewers. Over the last four years, it's been the Brewers. Before that, it was the Cubs. Before that, it was the Reds for like two years. It's never been the Pirates outside of the, the one year the Pirates had uh, the wild card. We'll call it the Michael Walker year. Mm-hmm. The Pirates were good for two years or a year and a half. That was it. But it's always just one team. That's it. This isn't the AL East. This isn't what the NL West has been this year. This, is, this isn't the NL East from a year ago. This is... This is a division that has been incredibly winnable, and the Cardinals have been the team that has won. But they're going to have to change. So last night, Martin Kilcoin and Fox 2 aired an exclusive with John Mozeliak. One of the questions that Martin Kilcoin asked was this one. You'll hear the question about the Cardinals' aggressiveness or lack thereof. Has the bar lowered from we're going to win a title to we're going to win a division? No, I think like I think... People equate bold with spending, and and I don't know if that's the the, the, the fairest way to look at it. But um, you know, there's many. Or maybe teams, aggressive. Maybe. Is that... Again, it's uh, <laughs> however you want to phrase it. There there are many teams out there that outspend us or out aggressive us, and they're finding themselves in similar situations. So. Is there still that urgency to win each year? I mean, I, I I think I hear that more that that maybe we are. More complacent, or, or um, maybe are arrogant in the fact that we've had the success we've had. But I assure you, like 
again, like even when we look at, at, at what we put together on paper, it, it, it should have worked better, it, but it didn't. What do you think, Jeremy? What do you think of the comments there? Well, there's a frustration in John Mosellock's voice for what he's hearing regarding, you know, complacent and whatnot. I, here's where I, I guess what I wanted to ask you coming into this segment. How much would you change of this current lineup? And the reason I ask that is because when you look at the lineup overall, it's a competitive lineup in almost every division in baseball. The pitching staff has been a roller coaster ride. And I understand that, oh, well, I would add this guy and this guy and this guy. Realistically, talking about the Cardinals, where would you have the changes? And what would they be? And you can't tell me it's Aaron Judge. You can't tell me it's Mike Trout because, the, like, come on. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like the Cardinals have done a fairly good job of putting together positional players only right now, a solid team. I get no problem with the offense. Yeah. Outside of, like, if we're going to nitpick a little bit. Well, yeah. And I don't, I don't even want to nitpick. How about this? I won't nitpick. Move, after the trade deadline. The only, I would make I would make two changes. One, I'm trying to trade Paul DeYoung because his value is high again. And then I'm going to bring up Mason Wynn if I can. Mason Wynn would be my starting shortstop for the foreseeable f- future. And I'll bat him ninth, and I don't care if he hits 200. Play elite defense, and then we'll, you know, hopefully, hopefully your offense will, will start to develop. The only other decision I made is I would make. With the with the position player groups is the one I mentioned before. Andrew Kins, Kisner, no offense yeah. to Kiz, Kisner would not be my backup. Yvonne Herrera would be split in time. But Outside I think those of that, are, that's it. But I think those are two great decisions. That's it. I support both of those decisions a hundred percent. I I do. Like if John Mosellock at the deadline, um, high five. Very good high five. That's some that zip nice. to it there too. Absolutely. I like that. Yeah, you almost got sound. the shrimp cocktail. Oh yeah, yeah. Got the old Isaac Bruce there. The old finger that doesn't work very or good. Tory, both of them. Yeah, is it Tory? They both Tory hole. Yeah, basically any receiver that he's got the sideways fingers. Any receiver that played uh, uh, ten years or so have their fingers are yeah. like this. Yeah. Um. But yeah, talking about the Cardinals, th- that's fine. So when we we talk about the front office not being aggressive, or not wanting to win, or whatever the the words are you want to use, where are you improving it? Like realistically, without completely spiking up your payroll by another twenty or thirty million. Mm-hmm. Position players, I'm not. Correct. So we go back to the pitching staff. Mm-hmm. Now that's where I totally think the Cardinals, the front office, the ownership should have been more aggressive in the last two to three off seasons. And this year they're gonna have to get really aggressive. And they're going to have to get uncomfortable, and they're going to have to pay a number four like a number two. They're going to have to pay a number three like a number one. Like, they're going to have to pony up some cash mm-hmm. because internally, John, Mosellock, if you're listening, internally, you know now you do not have the answers. Right. So you're going to have to pay. This is where it's going to sting. And this is where I don't know what the threshold uh, as far as finances go or allotted budget is concerned. I don't know what the threshold is for this team. I got more on the uh, the pitching staff from my notebook here. Yeah, I want to get into that notebook. Yeah, it's good. Looks I think like I you, got this uh, from our our closet there. Our, uh, now, did you do all this work at home or was it here? 
No, here. Right okay, because if you would have said at home, I'd say there's definitely a half a bottle of Makers that went into that <laughs> stuff. <laughs> if I did. I can see the ring that's around yeah, on well, the paper where the glass was. The, this part, this part that I've all scribbled out and all nonsense, that mm. was Makers. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. I'm surprised we didn't Maybe see some a couple Elijah of rogue Craig. tweet responses last night. No, 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 no. I like that's my only when somebody Mark tweets from <laughs> Anth- brought to you by Anthony Stelter. It's only when somebody chirps me. Uh huh. Read the right exactly at, at, at right exactly the uh, the perfect time. All right, the gauntlet next, but I got some uh, some pitching stuff that we'll get into after the gauntlet. But Steve is back for round two here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Three warriors, four categories, one challenger. Can you master the gauntlet? Brought to you by Master, your hometown source for business communications for more than 30 years. Visit Mastor.com. All right, Steve beat me yesterday in the gauntlet. We had a walk-off, and uh, and Steve got me. It was very close, but nonetheless, got through me. Now he's back to take on either Jamie or Marsh today. What's up, Steve? Hey, how's it going? Good. How are you? Pretty good, pretty good. Just kind of reeling from that win yesterday. That was uh, Boy. really close. <laughs> You're still thinking about that, though, Steve, or... Are you prepared to take on Jamie or Marsh today? No, you're in my head, really, honestly. So. <laughs> well, you already got through me, so you're Sorry good to about go. That. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Steve, who do you want? Do you want Jamie or Marsh? Oh, uh, you better when when you guys pack the lunch. Can you make sure you throw a Sunny D in there? Because I'll I'll uh, take on that Marchy. Wow! Wow! He threw the Sunny D at you on Oscar D. Sunquist day I too. Mean, that's that's a really good. Oh point. man! All right. Marsh, uh, St- actually Steve, you tell Marsh to spin the wheel, and then we'll we'll get this thing going. I need a launch code right. too. I got him. Oh, you got him. All right, never mind. I'll let you. Actually, you know what? They're yeah, safer you with you. You shouldn't touch anything anymore. Nope. Edward Scissorhands. <laughs> <laughs> All right, go ahead, hey, Steve. Marshy, Marshy, uh, spin that wheel and and don't hit uh, baseball for me, please. All right, so Steve is asking for no baseball this time around. What are you hoping for, Steve? Well, hockey's my sport, so. Uh, but I know I know Marchie's pretty good at hockey too, so. He is. He is. Well, good. this is going to be a showdown, a throwdown. Heck okay. no, I can't slow down. It's Whoa. hockey. Oh, Jamie with the rhymes nice. there. Okay, you're welcome. All for right, that. Todd, you wanted hockey. You're going to get hockey against Marsh today. It's the fast lane on 101 ESPN. Four questions, all hockey. They go to uh, Steve, and then did I call you Todd? No. Did I call you Steve? Okay. I wrote down Todd here because that was the last mic drop. And I was, the head injuries. Man, I guess so. <laughs> four questions to Steve. Four Same four questions to Marsh. Each question is worth two points unless they need the options. And then, Jamie, those questions are worth? Uh, one point. That's correct. All right, Steve, you ready? As ready as I can be. All right. Dalibor Dvorsky has primarily played in Sweden, but is from which country? Oh, man, because everyone kept uh, calling him, saying that he was from Sweden. Gosh, where are you from? I think uh, Marcy's going to know this. Um, I'll take the options. All right. Is it, what is it, Latvia? Uh, Yeah, that's how they say that, Latvia. Latvia, 
Sylvania. Nope, Slovenia. Slovenia mm-hmm. Or Slovakia. Two for three, Anthony. Well Sorry. Done. My bad. What were the options again? Latvia, Slovenia, or Slovakia. Slo- Slovakia. Slovakia. Jamie's in my head. Slovenia. I guess let's go with Slovakia. Slovakia. There you go. Final answer? Yeah. All right, question number two. Kasperi Kapanen was drafted 22nd overall in the 2014 NHL draft by which team? Um, Kapanen was, was he what, the Wild? Um, oh, no, 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 no. I'm thinking of the wrong guy. Uh, that was um, uh, Pittsburgh. I think it's Pittsburgh. Final answer? Um, uh, last time I thought it was 1922 and took the options and was glad I did it. Uh, yeah, let's go with options. All right. Was it the Toronto Maple Leafs, the Montreal Canadiens, or the Pittsburgh Penguins? Uh, yeah, let's stick with Pittsburgh. Final answer? Yeah, final answer. All right, question three, Steve. Throughout his career, Marco Scandella has played seven seasons with the Minnesota Wild, four seasons with the St. Louis Blues, one season with the Montreal Canadiens, and three seasons with which other team? Buffalo Sabres. Final? Yeah. Last question. Who did the Blues play in the final game of last season, losing one nothing on the road? Oh jeez. That's <laughs> yeah, what a weird what a weird question. Totally um, difficult question. <laughs> Let's go with those options. All right. Was it the Vegas Golden Knights, the Minnesota Wild, or the Dallas Stars? Vegas, Minnesota, or Dallas. Um, um did you say whether it was home or a road? It was a road game. It. it was a road uh, game. I don't remember. Um, I don't think it would be Vegas. So let's go with uh, Minnesota. Final answer? Yeah. All right. Thank you. Let's get DJ Marshy Marsh in here. All right, Steve. How are you feeling? Uh, that last one was really tough. Um don't feel too great. I, I think I may have gotten two or three, right? All right. Marsh is making his way back in from the cone of silence right now. He's taking his drink of water. He's got to make sure he drinks the water, but yep. he's got the little squirt so he doesn't get in that thick mustache mm-hmm. of his. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Look at you rocking the stash. Look at that. Yes. Yeah. All right, Marsh, you ready? Miles Michaelis, stunt double. Uh, Yeah. Jamie, tell him. Oh, you better pack a lunch, Marshy. Okay. And like a big one, like you usually bring like the full grocery bag. Yeah, oh, yeah. the Anthony loaf of bread. Doing that I did. It's a genius move. You guys yeah. got your own subway bar. Yeah. In the office. Yeah, you there. just keep it right there. You just don't have to worry about packing it no, up. Oh, yeah, it's a great idea. Thanks, Jimmy. All right. Feeling the stank out. You know what? Like, I said it's a great idea. He's got a bunch idea. of power yeah, bars it, by his desk. We don't. We don't hear any complaining. No, hey, we we. Ex- guys. How did you see? It's like you heard negativity. It's like the, you guys literally were like when I read text messages. I read text messages. All of them are negative and all of them are angry at me. 
And you guys just did that. It is true. Jamie's like, have a good day. Have a good day. Can you believe this guy? What the hell's that mean? <laughs> have, have a good, a good day. day. I don't like your attitude. I don't like your attitude. All right, Marsh, your category today is hockey. Okay. Question number one. Dalibor Dvorsky has primarily played in Sweden, but is from which country? Slovakia. Final answer. Good thing you didn't have to have Anthony. Yeah, I have to put you some much. options. My no. goodness. Well, we're some, no, you, no, we'll no, go no, over no. them later. No, no. We definitely. We'll have Anthony go over those later <laughs> with you. <laughs> Question number two. Kasperi Kapanen was drafted 22nd overall in the 2014 NHL draft by which team? The Toronto Maple Leafs. Final answer. Question number three. And hang, hang with me here, Marshall. I'll try. Throughout his career, Marco Scandella has played seven seasons with the Minnesota Wild, four seasons with your St. Louis Blues, one season with the Montreal Canadiens, and three seasons with which other team? All right, so we have the Wild, the Canadians. I believe that's a team that we got him from. The Blues, one other team. Marco Scandella trying to picture him in another uniform. Um, The Arizona Coyotes come to mind. Hmm. For the sake of time, I'm going to use the options. Anaheim Ducks, Buffalo Sabres, Carolina Hurricanes. Buffalo Sabres, final answer. All right, DJ Marshy Marsh, final question. This one's easy. <laughs> Who did the Blues play in the final game of last season, losing one nothing on the road? The Dallas Stars, final answer. All right, let's go over these. Mm-hmm. Steve versus Marsh. Throughout his career, Marco Scandella has played seven seasons with the Minnesota Wild, four seasons with the St. Louis Blues, one season with the Montreal Canadiens, and three seasons with which other team? Marsh, you said the Sabres. Steve, you said the Sabres. Correct answer is... It's the Buffalo Buffaloes. The Sabres. Steve didn't need the options for that one. Two-one lead for Steve. Dalibor Dvorsky has primarily played in Sweden, but which country is he from? Steve, you went with Slovakia. Marsh, you went with Slovakia. Correct answer is? It is, in fact, Slovakia. But Marsh didn't need the options, whereas Steve did. Anthony, can you go over the options, please? Latvia. Uh huh. <laughs> Slovenia. Yeah. And Slovakia. You did really good this time. Marsh, oh, you'll have to go back. Charm. I'll go, go back, back and listen. Yeah. I like to listen. In fact, when we can, go back and we can play those. Oh, okay. Yeah, they're entertaining. It was good, Anthony. You did great. You worked your way through it. I did it. say, is it, did you pronounce that Latvia? No, I mean, I've, and then I hacked up it's like Slovenia. You never, you're fine, Anthony. The and Orange I Reading hacked group. up did Slovakia a little bit. Yeah. But you, st- you stick with it. See, this is how we learn. Yeah. You know? Uh huh. You did great, Anthony. Thanks, Jamie. Mm-hmm. It was something that I missed, and we will absolutely go over it at the end of the show. No Thank need. 3-3. 3-3 tie between Steve and Marsh. 
Casper Kapanen was drafted 22nd overall in the 2014 NHL draft by which team? Steve, you took the options. You went with the Pittsburgh Penguins. Marsh, you did not take the options. You rolled right away with the Toronto Maple Leafs. Correct answer is... It's the Pittsburgh Penguins. It is the Pittsburgh Penguins. He was drafted by the Penguins. Marsh, oh. I could see why you thought Montreal, uh, why you thought uh, Toronto. He went back to the Penguins, huh? Yeah. Uh, because it looked like his first kind of real stint was with the uh, the, the Maple, Maple Leafs. Leafs. Nonetheless, Steve's got a one point lead. Interesting. Heading into this question, who did the Blues play in the final game of last season? Losing 1-0 on the road. Steve, you took the options. You went with the Minnesota Wilds. Marsh, you did not take the options. You went with the Dallas Stars. If it's the Dallas Stars because Marsh didn't use the options, Marsh wins today. If it's the Minnesota Wilds or the other option, the Vegas Golden Knights, Steve wins, squaring off against Jamie tomorrow for a gauntlet trophy. Jamie, who did the Blues play in the final game of last season, losing 1-0 on the road? Well... It was the second game of a back-to-back with the same team at the end of the season. That team was the Dallas Stars. Steve. You have chosen poorly. You lose. He needed that question to at least tie you. He didn't need the options. He wins 5-4 to four today. Steve, nice effort again today, though, man. Sorry. Yeah, it was a real bummer. When, when Marshy's... Uh, you know, said Dallas right away. I was like, ah, I got, he's got me. Yeah, sorry about good that. Good job, Steve. That was, a, that was a good round. That was. That was a good battle. Was a good battle. Steve, thanks for listening. Thanks for playing. Hey, can I say one more thing? Sure. Oscar Sunquist, I love you, man. Nice job. Well done. Well done. Tied it in with the old Nolan Arnado deal. Nice job. All right. Uh, so Steve makes it to the second round, but Marsh, nice job. Appreciate Congratulations that. Congratulations on the on the dub. Thank you. Thank you. Man, I was getting a little scared there when you said that he didn't play for Casperi uh, Kaplan, didn't play for the Maple Leafs. I was like, oh, crap. Well, he did play for the Maple Leafs. Yeah, he was drafted. Drafted, yeah. drafted by drafted. The, the Leafs, I or by the Penguins. I don't know if he actually ever played. Never played a game for Pittsburgh until he went back there in 2020, 2021. The more you know. Yeah. Jamie said something about our soccer team yesterday in the in the office that I was like, what? That would be awesome. That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. It's the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. Jamie Rivers, Anthony Stalter. Jamie, you had said something in the office yesterday, and you normally say brilliant stuff, but Thank this you. one really stuck with me. Mm-hmm. You said, what if this City SC team, our City SC team, is like the Vegas Golden Knights that just won a title Yeah, and has also, you know, gotten to a title? In fact, they got to their, their first title in their first year of existence what did you mean by that jamie well look everybody always expects the expansion teams to struggle to suffer and you know okay this maybe the first year is lucky you know let's see if they can do it again next year well the vegas golden knights they've just they've never taken that step backwards their step backwards was not this season that just went by the year before they barely missed the playoffs Mm -hmm. they're also riddled with injuries from top to bottom that year 
but they still won a lot of hockey games. They're still a very competitive hockey club. So they make the Stanley Cup final their first year, and in their sixth year, they win the Stanley Cup. I mean, why can't City SC be a team like that? When you look at their roster right now, uh, when, when the roster was constructed, everybody was kind of like, I wouldn't say underwhelmed, but they didn't have some of the star power that some of the other clubs have. Yeah. And, you know, Bradley Carnell uh, and Lutz were very clear about what kind of team they were building. And mm-hmm. I just watched a a documentary on the Vegas Golden Knights. It's called Valiant. It was on Netflix. And people said the same thing about that roster. This might be the worst expansion team <laughs> ever. They, I don't even know what they were doing in this expansion draft. Which is weird because they had some built-in advantages that we knew about yeah, going into But everybody, everybody just disregarded that yeah. at the start until they started playing. And George McPhee said pretty much almost an identical quote from Herb Brooks and Miracle, not the best players, it's the right players. Well, George McPhee said, look, we did our homework and we felt that we put the best players together for what we needed to accomplish. Mm-hmm. City SC reminds me of that. You know, they've put together a team where you've got some some veteran guys, you've got some good players like Klaus Again, he's not pretty to watch out there when it comes to you know the way he kind of runs around, but he's very effective. Edward Leuven was their big their big signing. He's been good. Giacchini's been great. You look at Roman Berkey, the guy is unbelievable. But the rest of them, Anthony, for the most part, it's just a bunch of guys who fit the exact way that they want to play. Right. And so when I was thinking about the Vegas Golden Knights winning the Stanley Cup, and then I'm watching this St. Louis City SC team, and all they keep doing is winning. Mm-hmm. Just when you think the bubble's going to burst, they keep to, they keep winning. They get riddled with injuries. They keep winning. So why? what makes me believe that St. Louis City SC is going to have to go through those growing pains, that bad season, and, whoa, just wait, this one's a fluke? I don't know if it is. I think that what we're watching is real. Are they always going to be a first place team? That you know to be determined. Yeah. But there's they've given me no reason not to think that this can't be like a Vegas Golden Knights team. This is what happens when you have a game plan and a vision and you execute it. That's that's what this is to me. City SC, when they were building the roster, they wanted to have a team that was going to be aggressive on the pitch. It was an aggressive style. You can see, we all watch the games, you could see Bradley Carnell a lot of the times. He is often urging his team to move up, move up the field, press, press, press. And when we're we're listening to national pundits talk about how lucky the team was early on to get so many own goals, it spat in the face of of what City SC is trying to accomplish, which is exactly that. Play aggressive, press, force the other teams to make mistakes, and then counter. And everybody that we've talked to since day one has said exactly that. It was no secret. They were going to play aggressive. They wanted to. We were talking to Bradley Carnell and... Lutz, Fon, and Steel, we had them on together, didn't we? They're 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 on the same. Yeah, I think they're on the same call. Yeah, and we were talking to them together. And at the end of it, you and I were asking if we could go there and and you know go to their training sessions and and participate in the physicality <laughs> because yeah. we we like oh this is a great this is a great idea 
They're executing that. Mm-hmm. They're forcing mistakes. But they had the vision first. Then they got the players. And I loved your your thought on that the miracle team. Because that's what it was. It was a team. And as we talk a lot about the Cardinals and whether or not they're going to be able to, to operate a full retool or a quick retool, and the Blues, whether or not they're going to execute a retool, the thing that I keep thinking about is it's not just adding talent. I used to say it a lot. Just add talent. Just add talent. That's not what this is about. It's about building a team. And City SC has a team. And if they continue with the same vision and the same approach, well, I think now the sky's the limit. The expectations are going to rise. You're not going to be able to sneak up on teams. But if you if you have players that want to play for you because you've had success, then you can up that talent but stay within that that structure, that vision. I'm excited to see what the future is. Future is with this city team. Yeah, me too. And I don't think this is a, a honeymoon phase that's going to wear off anytime soon. No, I think it's going to be great. I do too. Jamie Rivers, Anthony Stalters, Fastlane on 101 ESPN. All right. I talked about the these pitching numbers that I have for the Cardinals. Oh, yeah. The mad scientist. It's really nothing, to be honest with you. But it does kind of play into what yeah, we just I mean, talked about. I don't like about. when you talk negatively about yourself. I'm just, like I, I want to make sure that I'm uh, I'm underselling here. You did the work. That That's something. Thanks, Jamie. That we don't usually see. Boy, I was not, I did not see that coming. <laughs> if I had feelings, that they'd be shattered. Ah, it's going to be great. We'll talk more Cardinals and what the real <laughs> issue is with this team next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Why weren't you guys more aggressive in terms of adding pitching? Well, a couple of reasons. Um, some of the pitchers that we did chase, we just weren't able to to get done. And then the other was we really wanted to give some of these guys an opportunity. And you know, when you when you're trying to give your internal guys, um, I think the hindsight is is probably should have had some depth though to cover for it. So that was a conversation last night. That audio was from a conversation that was uh, had by Martin Kilcoin of Fox 2 and John Mozeliak, the Cardinals president of baseball operations. And you heard the question from Martin Kilcoin, and it's uh, it's a fair one. Why, were, why weren't you guys more aggressive when it came to adding pitching? Mo was honest about it. He's, he's wrong about it, but he was honest about why. He, they liked their options that they had. And after Jamie, you and I kind of surmised that they, they went after Carlos Rodon, they they didn't get him. He he signed him. He signed with the Yankees, and they said, "Okay, well, we have enough pitching, and we're, we're good." As Mo said, they probably should have had more depth. Yeah, they should have. But Jamie, I was thinking about this earlier today in the office because there's so much talk about Randy Rosarina and Adolis Garcia and the All Star Game and the whiffs that this team this this organization had internally on players. So I started thinking about moving forward here with our thought process. Yes, those were mistakes. Yes, those were whiffs. How do you correct the issue moving forward? Well, I think solving problems for a a team, in this case the Cardinals, it's never easy, but starting with why. Why you failed, why you had success. And we have spent so much time talking about why this team has failed – 
the moves they didn't make or the moves they did make that bit them, that were overlooking one key thing. Why did they have success from when, and we'll, we'll say they won the World Series. They still had success from 2012 up until this year. And we define success in, in a variety of ways. They, they made the World Series one year. You know, 2013 was a World Series year. They also went to the NLCS in 2012 and 14. They went to the NLDS in 2015. They had their three-year playoff run, or non-playoff run, I should call it, from 16 to 18. They lost in the NLCS in 19, lost in the wild card the last three years, and then this year has been a disaster. But why did they have so much success from 2012 to 2022? They had pitching. It's not about Randy Rosarina or Dulles Garcia or, or, you know, whiffing on those. Check this out. And I just did one metric, FIP, fielding independent percentage. It's To me, it's a better, better gauge of how a pitching staff actually performs than ERA. So I just use this metric. You can do ERA if you want and go back for yourself. Here's where the Cardinals finished. Their entire pitching staff finished in, field, in FIP in 2012, third. And I'll just do all the years. Third, second, 13th, 5th, 7th, 8th, 10th, 11th, and I'll stop there. So they were top 11 in pitching, their entire staff, from 2012 to 2019. In 2020, 19th. 2021, 18th. 2022, 16th. This year, 16th. Their pitching has dropped off. That is why they're not having success this year. And to me, it's a culmination. If you take from 2012 to even this year, they're still fifth on average in fielding independent percentage. But in t- from 2020 to 2023, Jamie, 17th with a 4.19. We can sit here and talk about Arena, and we can talk about Garcia, and we can talk about players that they didn't sign or they did sign. We can talk about the offense, and the offense is good. You brought this point up earlier. I wouldn't touch the offense outside of those two moves that I mentioned. Yeah, But, Jamie, if they don't fit, fix the pitching, get back to where why they were actually having success in the first place, this will not turn around. Yeah, I agree. I think where people get angry, too, though, is you had the pitching. Sure. You had Alcantara. You had Zach Gallup. And what did you do? What did you sell out for? Offense. Yes. And at the time... We were all complaining about the offense. Well, and justifiably so, though, too, because the well was running pretty dry on the Cardinals there. And in a couple, well, look at last year in the playoffs, they couldn't produce offense. So even though last year we talked about, you know, the Lester Hap uh, experiment, and then you, or two years ago, the Lester Hap, last year, the Quintana Montgomery uh, acquisitions, it was your offense that failed you. Sure. It really was. And the year before, it was your offense that failed you. And the year they went to the National League pennant, it was your offense that failed you. Mm-hmm. It wasn't your pitching. So when I look at all that stuff, I, this is why they tried to improve their offense. Mm-hmm. The problem is, is they literally turned their back on the pitching side of it, which is never good. You can address one area of need, but you better still sprinkle in a few other things as far as your pitching staff is concerned. You better sprinkle in a few promising young pitchers, but this is where it gets screwy is they tried to do that. Dakota Hudson and Jake Woodford were supposed to be 
those guys. Mm-hmm. Zach Thompson, another guy. Libertor, they acquired him because they believed he could bridge the gap. They just evaluated wrong. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if a fan base can be that angry at a staff that just evaluated wrong. Like you can. You can be super pissed, but he did have a plan. He did try. Mm-hmm. He, mean John will say, like he, he's the only one involved. They. Right. You know, if it wasn't the Cardinals, it was somebody else who's going to draft Dakota Hudson in the first round. Mm-hmm. Players are ranked where they're ranked for a reason. Yeah. So, again, it comes down to talent evaluation, I guess, at the end of the day. I also think it comes back to vision, though. This has always been an organization that prides itself on pitching up until about 2020. There was a fundamental shift, and I understand why. You you weren't producing bat like middle-of-the-order bats within your organization. But this this organization for a long time had the ability, even after Dave Duncan, this is why I cut it off at 11, after 11 when they won the World Series, because Tony left and Dave Duncan, it was no longer around. So you had from 2012 to 2019, you finished no lower than 11th when it came to your, your pitching staff. I think they lost the vision. I think they pivoted to offense. And I understand the need for both. But the bottom never really fell out. Even when you missed the playoffs, you were missing it by the, the final week or the final day. They really got away from, in my opinion, their, their ability to draft, to scout, and develop, and to develop pitching. They kind of lost their way that way. And the numbers speak for themselves. Again, 17th since 2020 with a 4-1-9. So unless they figure out the pitching, I don't think that there's going to be any sort of quick turnaround. It's Fastlane on 101 ESPN. Jamie Rivers, Anthony Stalter. How, and by the way, I want to promote a couple things we have coming up here. Oscar Sunquist is going to join us at 530. We also have Eddie Olchek who's going to join us at 515. So we got kind of a hockey-heavy final hour of the show. We got what's trending coming up in about 20 minutes. But one of the other things that Mo mentioned was that there's going to be no, no changes when it comes to the coaching staff. Are we surprised? And how long will that last? That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Hey guys, so as you're giving them like, oh, I don't think we can get any better with position. How about if they could run the bases, catch the ball, play better defense? Would that help your pitching staff if they caught the ball, ran the bases right, not be so sloppy? Because that doesn't cost a dime. That costs nothing. I mean, nothing. So if anybody can explain who's in charge of the sloppy play and the bad defense, let's start there because that's free stuff. That doesn't take their payroll up at all. I'm about to lose my right now. I cannot believe people are not talking about the sloppy play. Did no one watch Sunday? You can't have a weak pitching staff and then keep giving them extra outs and make the pitchers go longer in a game because you can't catch and throw and run a base right. Oh my God, I'm gonna have a heart attack. All right, have a good one. Well, welcome back to the Fast Lane here on 101 ESPN. Uh, Lisa, thank you very much for the mic drop. Uh, she's not wrong, but where I'll push back uh, a little bit here on Lisa is, what was your defense last year? 
I didn't hear any of the fundamental complaints last year with this team. In fact, I heard a lot of praise for how good they were defensively. Uh, and the year before, five gold gloves. Now, Ollie was on the staff two years ago. Ollie was the manager last year. This year has been unacceptable from a defensive standpoint, and there have been a lot of mental mistakes. There is no doubt about that. But do you think all the players just forgot how to play baseball in one half season? No, I just think they stink defensively this year. Yeah, for whatever reason. Yeah. because And the only reason I bring up last year is because it's the almost the exact same team. Mm-hmm. Like, same players. And it was definitely the same staff. I mean, Skip was here, but Skip, like it's not like one guy was controlling the whole defense and making right. them catch the ball better and run the bases better. Yeah. So I, I don't have any retort for this year because Lisa is bang on with mm-hmm. what she's saying. But... It, it's the same group as last year, so I don't know yeah. how do you how do you explain that? Is it is it just because everybody wants Ali Marmel fired? Uh, yes, I think that's part 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 of it. Absolutely. But no, what, they, we, what was he telling them last year? Who's telling them to play good defense? Yeah, last and year. this year he just said, "Forget it, yeah, guys. Don't I don't want defense. you to worry about the defense yeah. at all." Mm-hmm. Okay. And when it comes to base running, ignore Stubby and Pop. Just yeah. Do what do you want. What you do. Yeah. That's what. I don't think that happened. I think he should try to not do that this time. <laughs> Here's the thing too. Like as far as the has you know, is nobody watching the the game on Sunday? Um, we've talked about it. We've talked about the bad defense. I'll, I'll say what I said last last week. I feel like anytime we start to talk about one entity on this team, somebody immediately and sorry, Lisa, you you just happen to be the one this time. Somebody else, somebody comes in and says, "Well, what about this?" This is where I say your whole team stinks. Your whole team is stunk. Your defense is horrible. Lisa, you're right. To the person say, well, what about the starting pitching? Yes, it has been awful. Your bullpen has been disastrous at times. Your managing has been questionable. Your roster construction sucks. It's a, it's a bad group. It's a bad team. What else did I, what am I leaving out? Fred Bird. We have talked about Fred Bird mailing it in since 2019 or 2020. 2020, brilliant year. He's been awful since that point. We have talked about every aspect of this team. We can't do it every time we bring up one thing. Oh, this segment's about the pitching staff. Don't forget, Jamie, your defense is stunk too. And so is your base running. The team sucks. That's why you're in last place. Yeah. Moe's going to do something at the deadline to fix it. That's kind of what we're talking about. So, Lisa... Yes, we know the base running and the fundamental play has been an absolute joke. We're not going to talk about it every single time we focus on one thing, but it has been. Just trust in Jamie and I that we know that your team stinks, okay? That our team this year collectively stinks. They're going to really turn around here in the second half, though, No, they're Anthony. not. We're going to make some moves, bring in some players, and make a run at it. All right, here's Mo. Uh, we're going to get to Mo. You want to do the mic drop? No, it's not going to happen. You want the mic drop, Marsha? You take dealer's choice. You want Mo yeah, or the Marcia, mic drop? Turn your mic on. Turn Let's your go. mic on. on. What do you Welcome in. What do you want? You got warm. mic drops and you got oh, Mo and no. the coaching staff. What do we need? We got, we got we, Mo? We want Mo. We, we want Mo. All right. Mo. So Mo, last night, Fox 2 with Martin Kilcoin. Uh, about the coaching staff, this should fire up everybody and want them, everybody to you know punch somebody. Go ahead. 
Yeah, I don't think the coaches have any fault in this. Um, you know, they're Ooh. handed to players. It's, it's, you know, unfortunately it didn't work. Um, but I think Ollie and his, his group do a really good job. They work really hard, and um, you know they continue to do that. But it, I think you know their level of frustration is probably as real as a fan base. So if Lisa wasn't upset before, boy, <laughs> she is furious now. She's, her head just spun off. I think. I think Mo. Be careful, Lisa. Don't get too angry. I think Mo. Uh, he went too far by saying the coaching staff doesn't have anything to do with it. You have to include the coaching staff. You can support your coaching staff. You can say, well, I thought he brought up a great point. They're, these guys are handed these players. Here, here's your roster. Do something with this. And the roster wasn't good enough at the start of the season, obviously. I think you could say that. But to say the coaching staff has nothing to do with this, I think he I think he went too far. in. And in what I imagine... Is, partic- is protecting his coaching staff and throwing them a little bit of a bone. Okay. But they're but culpable too, man. You can't, you the can't, whole team stinks. But you can't praise Doug Armstrong for doing the exact same thing and then, uh, you know, blame Mo. Because Army did the same thing with his press. Army did not say the coaching staff had nothing to do with the, the losing. He worded it differently, yes, but he did say that he believes the coaching staff is – you know, this is my coach, and the, the, I right. believe in what they're doing. And cool. You know, Craig and his staff haven't forgot how to coach. And right. You know, the problem is the delivery and maybe the word selection in that one. There, I, I think Mo would have been better off to say, uh, "Listen, I don't see us changing from any of the coaching staff right now. We know how hard they're working. We know that they're feeling it just as much as everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're they're not going anywhere." But we do realize that this is a group effort, and collectively, the entire group has failed. There, so you right. you've protected your coaching staff, but you also aren't, you know, absolving them of any kind of wrongdoing. Correct. We're in agreement on that. Here's Mike on the fundamentals or lack thereof of the Cardinals. It's not about different defensive players out there. It's lack of concentration on fundamentals. Whenever you let a team start slacking on their fundamentals, whenever you start letting them slack on certain little details of the game, that's whenever you take it take things for granted. That's whenever players start booting the ball. That's whenever players start throwing the ball wild. You, you got to have better discipline. Something happens, you need to bench that player. Set an example. Yeah, but when when Ollie called out Tyler O'Neill, everybody everybody got lost their minds. What? Yeah, they're like, oh, he's this poor guy. He can't, oh, you can't handle it that way. Which I disagreed. I think he could have, especially if you'd already said it behind closed doors before. Exactly. They talked to Tyler O'Neill about his hustle in, in spring training. And I don't know if I let the cat out of the bag there, if that was inside information that I shouldn't have just shared, but it's out. They talked to him at, in spring training about his lack of hustle. Certain veteran players went to Ollie. Hey, this isn't acceptable. What you saw earlier in the season was a product of a conversation they already had behind closed doors. And you blasted Ollie. You blasted him. Should have kept it behind closed doors. Come on, guys. Hold him accountable. We got that voice. Unless, unless I don't like what you just did. Do it again. Give me Come on, one. man. Give me another one. And Mike, no offense, but like we've had this conversation with BT and with others on the record and off the record. They're still going over fundamentals. They're still they are practicing every single day that they're at the ballpark. They go over ground balls. 
fly balls, different scenarios. When a player, a young player especially, makes a mistake, you see the coaching staff right there with that young player. Guys, it's about execution. At what point do we do we turn around and say, oh, I don't know, the players could be an issue. I hacked up nine words in the gauntlet today. I'm not blaming Tommy Matter and our boss. I'm blaming me and this stupid brain. Sorry, brain. You're fine. You try. This is random. But you know I what like I mean? It. No, go ahead. Anthony, get it. Get yourself. Had a horrible segment. Tommy Matter. That's his fault. No, I stunk. Well, indirectly, it's his fault because he hired you. Okay, but. <laughs> Ipso facto. <laughs> You get what I mean? Okay, Nolan Arenado waits on a ball. He's a he's an absolute stud of a defender, one of the best defenders I've ever seen. Waits, 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 and throws over. Guy's safe. That damn Ollie Marmel, he's not telling him to throw. Come on, guys. <laughs> These are big league ball players. Making some of them making millions of dollars. Yeah, they're being paid pretty. It's good. about execution. It's good work if you can get it. Just Anthony. He's going to get it all. Mm. Whoa. Janet. <laughs> I need a break now. Maybe a cigarette. You need a shower. What's trending is next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. What's trending in the world of sports? The Fast Lane has you covered. What's trending now? Brought to you by Goodwill. Donate to Goodwill and get a half price Cardinals ticket voucher. Welcome back to the Fast Lane here on 101 ESPN. Anthony Stalter, Jamie Rivers. I'm Andrew Marsh, and it's time for What's Trending. Guys, Oscar Sundquist is back in the Blue Note. He signed with the Blues to a one-year deal. And, Jamie, you were saying for, I don't know, maybe the past month or so, maybe even longer, that Oscar Sundquist would be a great fit here with the Blues, this version of the Blues. And we know that he's been going to the City SC game, so seems like a a great fit for the city of St. Louis and Oscar Sundquist, who will be joining us, by the way, at 530. Yeah, it's a great addition. Again, you got a guy that you know, uh, that you like, that understands what this coaching staff is expecting. He knows the city. I mean, look, I don't know where he's at health-wise. He's battled some injuries over the last couple of seasons. But, you know, if he slots in to be your fourth-line center, this is an incredible signing. You got him for right at league minimum to come in as a Stanley Cup champion, a guy who's going to be a part of your penalty kill, who can win you big faceoffs, who's going to block shots, he's going to make hits. He's, I, I think it's an outstanding move by Doug Armstrong, uh, and I think it's a great move by Oscar Sundquist. He's going to have a, he's going to have the ability to reset his market here, and it's going to be important that he does because the salary cap's going to go up substantially moving into the following season. So teams that see Oscar Sundquist play well will definitely be, you know, probably more apt to open up the wallet for him a little bit. Heck, it might be the Blues that open up the wallet for him again. So a great signing for both the individual and the hockey club. Well, he'll join us at 5.30. He will be joining Oscar us at Sundquist. Eddie Olchek coming up next, though, too. Mm-hmm. So get your talk. hockey talk. 
the hockey fix. Uh, last night, National League first win in quite some time against the American League, a 3-2 victory. Elias Diaz of the Colorado Rockies won the game's MVP, hit a home run, a two-run shot. What do you guys think of the game last night? Were you entertained? Was it more entertaining than the home run derby? Oh, it was riveting. I mean, I was absolutely not glued Jamie. to my TV set at all. Jamie. Jamie. Is there a is there an all-star game anymore that you're really interested in? Anthony, I didn't watch one second. That's not true. I watched the first inning. I saw Zach Gallon pitch scores. I don't know what I don't know what these leagues can do. Then I got mad do. broke my TV. All right, that's fair. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know what these leagues can do. When I was a kid, I used to love the All-Star games. I used to love the Pro Bowl. I used to love the MLB All-Star. I used to love the NBA All-Star game. I used to love the NHL All-Star game. I loved them. But the older I got, the less interested I became. The Pro Bowl when they had, I mean, what a joke! Like I don't, I don't care. Well, that's, one iota. That's not even a thing anymore. I don't know what you do though. Like I, think, I don't even. Yeah. I, I'm not even calling it a problem. I have no solution. It just, I there's, it's not this incredible draw. Had it on, I, I wasn't, I wasn't glued to my TV though. I think it had its moments. I think the first inning was pretty entertaining. I thought yeah, a couple of nice catches. The last inning was entertaining. You had what could have been, a, you know, a. a uh, like a Hollywood type ending with Julio Rodriguez up to the plate, runner on first. He's the go-ahead run to win the game. He could have walked off in Seattle. Of course, he gets walked because, um, you know, that's just how the baseball goes. Mm-hmm. Right? I would have rather seen a pitch clock violation end that game. That's just a troll. Do they even have the pitch clock? I wasn't really paying attention that hard. I mean, they may have, but I don't don't think they did. But I mean, first of all, first of all, they need to get rid of those jerseys. They're terrible. Yeah, so they're horrible. They're wearing like a lot of people think they were black pants. I think they were navy blue based on the color scheme. You Mm -hmm. can't go blue and black together. I mean, Marsh, you know that. No, I know that. Come on. But they had like a navy blue jersey, at least for the. National League and mm. navy blue pants. I'm right. like, this looks awful. If your product on the field, at least the entertainment value, isn't going to be, you know, what a lot of people want it to be, like, you know, for instance, you two saying you don't really care about the All Star game, at know. least make it look good. Go back to what it used to be. Why don't they, they have, just, have the teams just wear the jerseys? Yeah. Why don't they just wear their home jerseys yeah. and the other team wear their road Wager. jerseys? Exactly. Yeah. I, maybe though, because some of the teams. They're home in their road jerseys. Like for the Cardinals, they got the white and the gray. Well, that's they, how it should be. But where does that fall in then? Bradford Bruns, who's going to be pinch hitting for Marshy in a couple of days here, uh, he he had the ultimate signal, of course, of why they don't do that with the uniforms. Well, can somebody let me in on that, please? It's about oh, money. money. Yeah. You could, sell, you could sell the Julio Rodriguez All Star jersey right but why can't they they used to do that for the home run derby so they'd wear the basically the all-star jersey for the home run derby Mm -hmm. and then they would wear their normal uniform for the game now it's the opposite they wear their normal jersey for the home run derby (laughs) and the ugly all-star jersey for the game Mm -hmm. makes no sense yeah marsh (laughs) i this is one of those things that just irritates the you know what out of me i know i just went fully anthony mode in the last segment there 
But I love your passion about the All Star <laughs> Game and the Home Run Derby. The last two days, yeah, he's really we have gotten, gotten just fire passionate up. takes from Andrew <laughs> Marsh. You were so passionate about the format yesterday, that the All Star and the and the Home Run Derby, and then you get the All Star Game, the jerseys. Like you, I could tell. Like, can you feel the the the, the anger, the heat? From the other side mm-hmm. of the, yeah, oh, I've been waiting, totally I've been waiting since uh, all day. I've been waiting, been waiting until five o'clock to talk about these MLB All Star jerseys. You've been quiet today. You've been I quiet. Have, you know, just been locked and loaded, ready to talk about well, these All Star jerseys. You know, we've been talking about Mo, which we will also get to here in a second because mm-hmm. I feel like that's the reason why a lot of people watch the All Star game is for it to finish to listen to what Mo had to say. Right. I mean, that's exactly what I did because I could not stand looking at these jerseys. <laughs> For nine straight innings. Marshy, I'll tell you what. Okay? You're 100% right about these jerseys. They could have at least are. made the dark jerseys, at least give them gray pants. That's all I'm saying. All right, you know what? We're in agreement. Thank you. The hats you did a great too. job. The hats were done. Don't hats, get me started hats, on the hats. The hats were the, honestly the, the worst part of it. I, what I liked the most was the National League just having a big block N on the batting helmet. I mean, Great Britain put more effort into their uniforms <laughs> at the WPC. They were the first thing that came to my mind. Great Britain. Uh, yeah. Who do you play for? Well, it's right here on my chest. It's literally like they Great forgot Britain. and they got to the WBC and were like, whoa, we have blank uniforms. Hang on. I saw a guy at a mall with a heat press. You got a lot of G's? Somebody get on the paint program on their computer. <laughs> Do up a couple of mocks, and then we'll get the the guy, the press guy. There. Fire up your favorite font. Yeah, I would love to know what the text line yeah, is like, saying. Uh, Times like New Roman block letters, please. Let's see Incredible. what the. Uh, oh, here we go. I like the jerseys. Just wanted white pants instead of black. The helmets were bad, though. Marsh, I agree. Tell Marsh to stop hanging out with that fashionista Jackson. Mm. Oh yeah, Jackson's clearly a fashionista. He is. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, last night after the All-Star game, John Mozeliak had a one-on-one with Martin Kilcoin of Fox 2. And uh, we got some interesting stuff for him from Mo, and we talked about that today. But just overall, once again, what, what were you guys' thoughts on, on the whole interview? Um, at first, listen slash watch. I felt like, okay, it was long overdue to get a little bit more behind the curtain with John Mozeliak. I thought Marty Kilcoin did a great job, but I would have rather be a little more long form to where there's other people that can ask some questions too, like Derek Gould um, and John Denton and other people involved. And I understand it was an exclusive for Fox too. Um, and they did a great job with it. I, part of me was like, it's kind of fluff. It felt a little bit like John Mozeliak was doing this just to kind of fulfill the duty of, okay, I, I talked to the fans, check mark. Mm-hmm. Then the other part of it, I was like, it's fine. He's finally admitting to things we already knew the answers to. Didn't really give us more. Right. So I don't know. I, I left I left there feeling a little unsatisfied. In sure. Yeah. Jamie and I apologize uh, about that, That's that you right. felt that way. I make up for it. Yeah. Anthony would never let that happen. No, no, he doesn't. That's for sure. No, you're darn right about that. What are we talking about? Mo's interview. Oh, Mo. Um, I thought there was only one thing that was only that, that was somewhat slightly interesting, and that was when he talked about pivoting towards 2024 and moves and decisions that they're going to make moving forward will be about next year. 
Now execute it. That was one of the things that we talked about yesterday. One of the things that I mentioned when we were talking about Mo and what we want to hear from him. I I wanted some sort of hey, this year has been awful. We're going to think about next year. The decisions we make will be about next year. If I heard any sort of, well, you know, you never know, and this, that, and the other thing, Jamie and I would be shopping for new TVs today. I already am. Really? What TV would you get? Probably a Vizio. A Vizio? Mm-hmm. I prefer or the Samsung. Samsung. Those that are nice. to me, because you can download all the apps and yep. everything. The smart TVs, yeah. they call them. Very smart. We got a Samsung in the bedroom. We got a Vizio in the family room. Huh. Would you get us brought you in our home? Like a big you brought TV? Brought me in the bedroom. I did. Again. A big mm-hmm. TV. Bigger the better. You weren't there last time. That wasn't my house. <laughs> it's neighbor Dave. Probably. <laughs> Shout out neighbor Dave. You get a big TV? Absolutely, Marsh. Yeah. Bigger the better. Yeah. Well, it depends. Sometimes just because it's big doesn't mean it's quality. You know, you can yeah, go down what's to the frame rate on that bad certain boy? stores yeah. and buy, you know, the biggest one you can find. Mm-hmm. Massive. But then, you know, the quality's not very good. And then you find a smaller one, but man, is it good. The quality's impeccable. Yeah. That's Jamie Rivers. I'm Anthony Stalter. The Marshy's frames per well. second, you know? Yeah, it is. No, it's, it's true. all about the frames Absolutely. per second. What's the analytics on that, Marsh? You don't want it too fast. What's the analytics on the TV that you've got? The one that I have? Yeah. I don't know. Hopefully it's a, at least a 60 frame per second. Okay, you good. Know? Yeah. The bit rate's pretty good for uh, video games. Mm-hmm. Well, that's all yeah. that's 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 important. I think it's it is. Modest. You yeah. got to the end of it right there. there. Like a 55-incher. Marsh is going to go look at some uniforms. The All-Star for the All-Star game. Yeah. And then we're going to talk to Eddie Olchick of TNT. We'll get his thoughts on the Blues offseason thus far, including the latest signing, which was Oscar Sanquist today, who will join us at 530. But first, Eddie Olchick next, next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. It's a fast lane on 101 ESPN with former Blues defenseman Jamie Rivers. I'm Anthony Salter. Let's head to our celebrity line. We're joined by TNT hockey analyst Eddie Olchick right now. What's up, Eddie? How are you? I'm well, Anthony. Jamie, nice to be with you guys. Hope the, uh, I guess, uh, there's no offseason ever, but I hope you guys are doing well and uh, and enjoying, uh, I guess, enjoying a little bit of of off time during the hockey season. Yeah, definitely. Well, you know, you're right. The, the offseason continues and the Blues have been active. It's uh, really my first question for you, Eddie. It, from a national viewpoint, dating back to last last year's trade deadline, which is where Army started this retool, what's the yeah. national viewpoint of the Blues offseason? Well, I think it was probably needed. I, I don't think that uh, I don't think there's any doubt that the Blues needed a uh, – a change of of some sorts, and obviously contracts, and you know, uh, players being in positions of leverage to you know to you know you want to get assets for players, regardless if they're a little bit longer in the tooth, like a guy like Ryan O'Reilly, or you bring in a guy like uh, you know like Kevin Hayes. But at the end of the day, you know, I think that uh, you know, I'm sure last season was. Uh, was a great disappointment for the Blues and and uh, expectations with 
some of the contracts that Army has handed out and uh, the expectations of where they were a few years ago with hoisting the Stanley Cup. Uh, so I think, uh, I don't think, at least I, I can't speak for anybody else, obviously, but for me, I think it's, uh, you know, it, it's something where change is, change is good. And, you know, could there be some other changes on the horizon if it, uh, you know, if it, if it doesn't change course or get to a position where, you know, they can be as competitive as, as they were a couple of years ago. And, you know, is there something a little bit larger on the horizon? And, you know, is there, uh, is there another way to, to tweak a little bit? And you need to continue to see the maturation and the consistency from, you know, Jamie can correct me or not. I mean, you're, you're two probably most prolific offensive players and Kyrou and Thomas now. I mean, those guys, you know, have to take, you know, another step. I know Thomas... You know, I mean, the goals weren't there last year, but, you know, Cairo seems to be a guy that's going to get you 35 or 40 every year, and that's what you're going to need. And uh, So it'll be really interesting how it all plays out moving forward. So long-winded, uh, not surprised with the changes, and sometimes, like I said, uh, situations dictate the terms, and an army, you know, not many not many guys that sit in that chair have more experience than, than Doug Armstrong and, uh, you know, reading the uh, reading the room, reading the uh, you know the, the the feel of the club, and, and knowing that uh, change has to happen, and uh, they've certainly done that over the last couple of years. Eddie, you've uh, worked uh, so many games, of course, your career, but it's certainly in the last couple of seasons. I'm sure you've come across watching Kevin Hayes. Uh, yeah, him being traded out of Philly, I don't think there's any surprise yeah. there. But Doug yeah. Armstrong acquiring Kevin Hayes. You know what do you think of that deal by Army? Well, I mean he's he's gonna he's gonna generate some offense. I mean, look, I, I think he's I think he's better offensively uh, than than O'Reilly uh, was or is. I, I think Kevin has that ability to be able to to generate offense, uh, make a little bit more offensive plays, maybe a little bit more difficult offensive plays. Jamie, you know, like some guys. If they see it, they can make the play. Um, other guys can make the play without seeing it, if, if that makes any sense. And I think Kevin, I think Kevin has that ability. Now, the one thing that is very similar is you know both guys, and I can relate because uh, I was not overly quick player. And when you get a little bit older, the last time I checked, uh, you know, saying this uh, in all due respect to the PC world is that mother and father time are undefeated. And uh, when you get older. And you're not uh, a great skater. Uh, you got to rely on instincts and anticipation. And I think that's where Kevin Hayes can certainly do that. So, is he as good in the faceoff dot? No. Uh, we, will he be able to kill some penalties? I believe he will. I don't know what Chief has planned for Kevin Hayes, but you know, look at you, you need guys that create and generate offense, Jamie. You know that, and and I think a guy like uh, like Kevin Hayes can certainly do that for the Blues, and uh, will be able to make some plays that. You know, I still believe a lot. I mean, he'll be able to make some plays a lot of guys can't. And uh, if you're going to win in this league, you're going to need guys that are difference makers. And I think he has that ability uh, to be able to do that still, um, you know, after all these years in the league. Uh, Eddie, the fan base here in St. Louis, a lot of the focus has been on the decor for the Blues. It was a down mm-hmm. year last year for the Blues mm-hmm. overall, but the decor. Yeah, didn't have their greatest season collectively. Mm-hmm. From a national standpoint, and when you watch the Blues play, you know, do you still believe that the current core that they have in place can get the job done for them? 
Um, well, I mean, I don't know why not. I mean, I, you know, it, it is, it is about, you know, it, it is about, you know, a collection of, of, uh, a lot of different players. And I mean, you know, they, they have to, you know, they have to stay healthy. I mean, that's such an important part of, of being able to, uh, you know, to have that cohesion and, and Jamie, you were a defenseman for a long time in the league, you know, but you, you need, you know, you need your guys to to get to what you expect, right? I mean, you need Falk, you need Krug, you need Pareko. I mean, you need guys, you know, like that. I think my pal Letty, Nick Letty is still there, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, because I've kind of gone off the grid here the last uh, last little while. But, um, you know, yeah, it... it, it Goaltending, uh, not and again. I'm not zeroing in on goaltending. It's just that this is an overall uh, statement. Or feel is that you know goaltending can camouflage a lot of deficiencies. I don't care what type of D you have or what type of forward you have or the type of style you have. If you can get that consistent goaltending, it's going to camouflage some holes and what have you. Now, in saying that, if you have a really good team D and you really have a team that can limit, um, and I think that's the one thing I don't think Vegas got enough credit for uh, during their run. And look, we, we had the Stanley Cup on TNT this year, but, you know, we tried them, but like, they're pretty damn good defensively. So, you know, you're not asking your goaltender to make 14 A-plus type of saves a game maybe you're asking them for seven or eight but you're not asking them for 14 or 15 which a lot of teams end up giving up so you know I, it's, it's a it's probably a, a loaded question jamie but you know you need you know you need your guys to stay healthy for sure but you need guys to to be able to to help your goaltending out a little bit and, and if you do that then you're going to be in a lot of games and then you have the guys to be able to put the puck into the back of the net so it's it's a uh I think they do because when I look at the experience, I go, "Yeah, man, you know, like, yeah, they, they, they should be, you know, like they should be, they should be better." But you know, maybe it was just one of those, uh, one of those years where it's a one-off and and you can, uh, you know, get back. But look, at they've made, as you guys know, they've made a lot of changes here over the course of the last couple of years, and and uh, you know, they certainly want to get back to, as I said a little bit earlier, get back to you know where everybody in St. Louis certainly wants the Blues to be come playoff time. Last question for TNT hockey analyst Eddie Olchek here in the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. Eddie, what, if anything, are the Blues missing right now? Could be style, well, stylistically or position-wise. Yeah, I mean, I you know, I, I don't – I think it's just going to be really interesting to see kind of – I mean, I, I don't – like, again, I don't know any – if they have any guys that are on the on the, on the cusp of, of, of breaking through. You know, is there somebody there that can, you know, can can take a step? Like, I, like the one thing I will say is, I mean, get – I mean, Sammy Blay, like, it's just amazing that, that he he has been able to come back to St. Louis. And, and you know, look at He's a hard player. He's a uh, um, a guy that's a, you know, a, plays a bigger body. And, and, and he's found his, you know, he's found his offense back in St. Louis, you know, which is, which has been a great pickup by, by Army. So, you know, I, I think to me, I would just look at it and, and go, yeah, I mean, can they, 
you know, can they defend enough? Can they get the saves? And then, you know, will, will that breed some confidence confidence up and down the lineup? So, um, but I, to me, it'll be really interesting to see how, you know, some of these moves have, have, will pay off, not only in the first, you know, three, four months of the regular season, but, you know, how everything plays out here with all the moves that Army made, as you guys mentioned when you brought me on from the, uh, you know, kind of pre-trade deadline and then obviously over the course of the summer and free agency and then into the next season. Because, look, I mean, the the Western Conference is a bear. I mean, it's it's a bear. I mean, forget the Central. I mean, I shouldn't say forget the Central Division. I mean, the Central Division's, you know, I mean, there's some teams that have taken a hit there. But, like, the Western Conference is, it's it's tough. And, uh, you know, you're, you know, are you going to need 98 points? Are you going to need 97 points? Can you can you come up with that? Because at the end of the day, guys, when you look at the regular season, in my opinion, and I've learned this over the years as playing, coaching, and broadcasting, there's going to be 20 games where every team is going to be lights out and they're going to win probably 80 to 95% of those games. Then you're going to have 20, 20 games of the 82 that you're just you're not going to have it. Schedule. You feel like your legs are a baggage claim. You got injuries the whole nine yards. What separates the league, the, you know, the good teams from the very good teams is those other 40 games, those other 42 games. What do you do with those? Are you a 500 team? Are you five or six games under? So, you know, if, if, you, can, if, you, if you can take advantage of that and stay healthy, uh, you give yourself a chance. But in the Western Conference right now, just thinking off the top of my head, you're going to need, I think you're going to need 97-plus points to make the playoffs because you've got some teams that have improved. And, uh, you know, I'm sure everybody's pretty happy with the clubs right now. But, Jamie, as you know, they should get the training camp. All of a sudden, you're going to sit there, oh, yeah, well, maybe we're only an 84 and 85-point team. And then it, it ends up being a long season when you have expectations of making the playoffs. Eddie, great stuff. We always enjoy your insights. Thanks so much for joining us and sharing some uh, some, some off-season thoughts with us. We'll uh, we'll sure to check back with you again at some point. Sounds good, guys. Have a good uh, have a good summer. Thanks, you too. Thanks, Thanks Eddie. Eddie. Take care, Appreciate bud. you. That's Eddie Olchek here in the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. We're going to stick with the hockey theme. We're going to talk to Oscar Sunquist, fresh off re-signing with the Blues on a one-year deal or coming back to St. Louis. Oscar Sunquist, Sonny, will join us next in the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. With former Blues defenseman Jamie Rivers and Anthony Salter, let's head to the celebrity line where we're joined by Oscar Sunquist, who signed a one-year deal to return to the St. Louis Blues. And uh, Oscar, first of all, congratulations. And I uh, just want to tell you, man, a lot of Blues fans are fired up to see you back, and they, they can't wait to see you back uh, you know, on the ice here in St. Louis. So congrats, and thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me, guys. Uh, very excited to be back and, and play for the Blues again uh, can't wait to get uh, get started, Sonny. Uh, welcome back again, and also look, free agency comes around. I know you're in town because we, well, we see you all over the place. You're popping up at City SC games, and people know that you're here and start to talk about you a little bit as a possible free agent signing. But free agency hits. Uh, take us behind the scenes a little bit because I know I've been there. It can be stressful at times. It can also be exciting. 
Um, you know, take us through the process and what led you to signing with the St. Louis Blues. Uh, you know, we, we kind of knew it was going to be a... I think we lost him. Yep. He's driving around. He's excited. Very excited. Never really anything anything that uh, that that we liked. Uh, so, in the end, we decided why not go back to a place with familiar and, and you know the city you know uh, especially just wouldn't just love playing there so it's just all all bonus to come back Sonny how uh, how big of a role did Craig Berube have in, in your decision to come back here because I know you love playing for Chief oh yeah definitely he, he had a big role you know uh, having a coach that, that, uh, that I had before and a good relationship with and and, and won a cup with so uh, he definitely had a big big role in, in, in that decision uh, Sonny we are just talking about it in the break we know that you're and Jamie just mentioned this you're a huge St. Louis City SC fan are you fired up for the, the game against uh, the match excuse me against LA tonight oh yeah definitely we, me and my girlfriend have a, have a flight to catch here and tomorrow to Sweden but we're definitely going to try and stay, stay awake for that one have you always been a, a, a soccer fan, or is it something that just came about and you just fell in love with the St. Louis City SC team? Yeah, no, I always been always been a soccer fan. Uh, you know, especially in Sweden, growing up, uh, soccer everywhere. So uh, I, I was I was super pumped when the St. Louis got a team, and then then I got traded, and then I was like, oh shoot! Uh, but but super happy to be back here now and seeing a couple of games. They're, they're a lot of fun, and it's an amazing stadium to go to. Sonny, with uh, the last couple of seasons, you've battled a couple of injuries, and sometimes that's tough to kind of get your rhythm back. Do you look at this season with the Blues as an opportunity to kind of reset your market value out there? Oh, yeah, definitely. You know, it's, it's going to be my first summer where I'll be able to work out and, and actually train for a full-on summer without having to rehab something. So I'm very, very excited to do that and get back to, to kind of like my old self and and come back stronger than I was before. So I'm super excited. Oscar Sunquist joining us right now here in the fast lane on 101 ESPN. Is there is there a teammate that you're mostly excited to see come camp time? And uh, what, which which teammates do you feel as though that that you work the best with when it comes to your line combinations? Uh, you know, my previous stint and kind of ever I've been up and down everywhere, so. Or stuff and stuff, so uh, it doesn't really matter. I mean, obviously, I play with Blaze a lot, so that would, that would be fun to be back with him. And uh, yeah, I'm just excited to be back and get training camp started. Sonny, uh, what to, just individually or personally for you, what do you think you can bring to this team f- for the upcoming season that maybe they were lacking last year? I feel, I feel maybe a little consistency and kind of uh, playing the game that, that I know that St. Louis Blues wants to play. Uh, I feel like they, they kind of lost that a little bit and, and hopefully I can help uh, getting getting the guys back on track and being being uh, the hard, hard team to play against like the Blues were uh, uh, when we won the Cup. So uh, hopefully I can help out with that as much as possible. 
Well, I'm sure you can. We appreciate your time, uh, Oscar. Thank you. Welcome back to St. Louis. Or welcome back to the Blues, I should say. And uh, enjoy the match tonight as St. Louis City SC takes on L.A. Thank you, guys. So thank you for having me. All right. Thank no you, problem. Oscar. Have a safe trip, Sonny. Thank you. Thank you. All right, there you go. That's Oscar Sunquist here in the Fast Line on 101 ESPN. Sorry for the connection. That just happens. Live radio. Sometimes it happens where you get uh, a bad connection. But great stuff from uh, great stuff with the signing of Oscar Sunquist adds adds to the depth. And Jamie, for those who missed it earlier, you were doing kind of a mock lineup, yeah. line combinations, and defense pairings. What do you got? Yeah. So this is just I threw it together rather quickly, but there was some research done in it and. For the first line, I had Pavel Buchnevich playing with Thomas and Kairou. I think that could be a really offensively gifted line. I think that the, your next line here has the potential of being a scoring line, but if you end up on the road for matchups, you know, you like to have a certain defensive line. Well, this one here can play both roles. You got Saad playing with Shen and Kapanen. Uh, and then the next line, Hayes, Blay, and Verona, I think that, that those two lines can kind of flip-flop and handle the defensive assignments against some of the other team's top lines. And then on my fourth line currently, uh, the one and only Oscar Sundquist, who we were just talking to, him centering Torpchenko and Jake Neighbors. I have Mackenzie McEachern and Nathan Walker kind of starting uh, the season on the outside looking in. And then the decor would be Letty Pareko, Krug Falk, Perunovic, Bortuzzo, Tucker Scandella, and then Rosen. So a lot of um, a lot of mouths to feed on the back end. We'll see you know, how that plays out come training camp and how they looks in preseason. And usually things kind of sort themselves out automatically. But if not, you never know. Doug Armstrong, uh, he's got his phone on all the time, and he's always working away. And maybe there's a change, maybe there isn't. But uh, that's the lineup that I – the mock lineup that I've put together. There you go. That's Jamie Rivers and Anthony Stalter. What you miss, criticisms, compliments, next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. If you missed anything from today's show, you can always download the podcast at 101ESPN.com or your 101 ESPN mobile app. It's all brought to you by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. With Jamie Rivers, I'm Anthony Stalter. Here's Andrew Marsh with some criticisms and some compliments. Yeah, before we get into that, I found the audio from the gauntlet, and I thought I could share it because Jamie was asking for it. Yeah, Jamie was very, very passionate. I wasn't sure if what I was hearing hacking you know what in real time was actually happening, so it's fair. I ha- I was terrible. No, Anthony. I'm sure, I'm sure it sounds way better than I remember. No, it didn't. Go ahead. All right. And this is basically the f- not the first time I'm hearing it because obviously I had to cut it up, but yeah. I haven't listened to it all the way through, Absolutely. so I'm excited no, to You're really, right. Absolutely. Go ahead. really get a good listen. Good. Is it? What is it, Latvia? Uh, yeah, that's how they start it over, Andrew. Oh, he's doing over. his Go little ahead. thing. He's he's pouting right now. This is Anthony's. This is his version of holding his breath what? and stomping his feet. What was that? To... Was that Jamie's microphone during oh, the gauntlet? No, no it's it's... Anthony just crumbling paper on paper. Why I need to recycle it, child? Here, there's a recycling child. bin. Child. You're playing <laughs> my mistakes. <laughs> Go ahead, Marsh. I won't do it. Go ahead. Is it? What is it? Latvia? Uh, yeah, La- that's how they say that. Latvia. Latvia. Slovenia, nope, Slovenia, Slovenia. Mm-hmm. or Slovakia. There you go. Two for three, Anthony. Love Sorry. 
My bad. What were the options again? Thanks, <laughs> Steve. Slovenia or Slovakia? Uh, Slovakia. <laughs> what an idiot. I apologize to those countries. That's they listen. Terrible. They know. <laughs> All of them. The whole country. Sorry. Oh, Anthony, that's just bad. great. It was bad. No, it was great. It was yeah, great, great that for, he made great you. For everybody else. It's great that he made you repeat them. Do you think he meant to do that? No. <laughs> no. I think it was just my dumb luck. But Steve. Uh, uh, in fairness to Steve, I hacked up the country, so he probably was like, "What? These aren't real countries." He got the answer right, though. He did. Yeah. yeah. Sylvania. Sylvania. Hmm. Yeah. All right. Let's go to criticisms and compliments. Let's start with the mic drop that we got from Ryan earlier today. He called Mo a joke. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did get a text from the three one four. We always appreciate listener on listener crime. Ooh. From a 314, Ryan probably got first place in his fantasy baseball league and thinks he can be a better GM than Mo. Whoa. Listener on listener crime, huh? That was pretty that's pretty good. <laughs> Congratulations. <on> your victory. <laughs> what? I'm trying to be nice. Well. We uh, we got a a funny text message from the 636 in regards to Killian sleeping on Tupperware. That kid is prepping to play in the KHL. (laughs) Yes, he is. Well said. That would be on the flight. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Jamie, you can help him out in that. Oh, yeah. Listen, son. I've told that story before. This is is what you can expect. Uh That's really The rookies sit on the bags in the middle of the plane. Unreal. That's unbelievable. No, and it wasn't. It wasn't an actual plane. You were talking oh. about the the seats were all there were no all over the place. So weren't the they? plane started out that it was like uh, like the military where everybody's like sitting up against and the middle is wide open. Mm-hmm. So we were all sitting on the sides of the plane and all the hockey gear was in the middle of the plane, and there weren't enough seat belts or areas for. So they make the rookies, the young kids, sit on the bags in the middle of the plane. So then the players complained and said, oh, you know, it's unacceptable. So they yeah. kept the same plane, ripped out all the side seats, and then just went to, like, the plane junkyard and got seats from any chair. Like, every chair was mismatched. They weren't lined up properly. One guy would have, like, tons of leg room. The other guy, would his knees are touching the seat, and they just bolted them in for the next trip. Wow. Welcome. To- so you want to be a hockey player. Ah. Uh-huh. <laughs> then we'd fly... There was we got twelve hour flight from one end of Russia to the other end. Aye. It's crazy. <laughs> oh jeez. That was a funny text. We did get a text from the three one four. I think this might be Ryan. He said, text that blank to my face, blank. Blank. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan's not ha- Ryan's not having it. I think that might be Ryan. I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't know. know who else it would be. <laughs> I mean, we should start our own rough and rowdy going on. That's out what here. I'm thinking too. Seriously, uh, is there any anything better than listener on listener? There really crime? isn't. I don't know. We encourage everybody to be nice. Though. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> sure. From the 636. Actually, this is from Dylan. I have one compliment and one complaint. My compliment is the YouTube live stream. It's cool to have a new platform to listen to you guys. But my complaint is that we can see you guys. All of you definitely have faces for radio. All jokes. You guys are great. Love the show. I think that might be Dylan that rolled his ankle. Oh man! I think Dylan, if that if well, that if is that's Dylan, the case, rolled Dylan, his you ankle. have left yourself wide open here. Yeah, let's make sure it is actually him because I don't I don't want to start 
you're right, Jamie. I, I don't I don't want to start buzzing the tower. Yeah. When poor Dylan is not the actual, you know, the one that snapped his. No, no it is. Yep. It is. Yeah, it totally Go is. Go ahead, Jamie. Ryan. No. No, Dylan. 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 Sorry, Ryan. He's still seething. <laughs> Dylan got worked at Knockerball. I think he worked himself. And then he worked himself into a broken ankle. And he's complaining about our faces. <laughs> we were the first faces there to console you, Dylan. It is true. We're there. We extend a hand out to help you. Anthony blocked the visual with the Knockerball. Oh, man. So that people weren't throwing up. <laughs> I'll still never remember. Just I'll, I'll still never fun, forget Dylan. that. Uh, we appreciate you listening, buddy. I, I'll never forget the sound that, as as you noted, I was moving the knocker ball. Sound? No, well, not the sound of his ankle. I don't. Oh. I didn't hear that. No, I just. But I was moving the knocker ball because the the oh, crowd yeah. was right there, oh. and I, and as I was doing it, Dylan got you know he 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 got to like his his backside so he can hold up his his ankle and as he did that he held up the ankle just before i get the knocker ball in front of him and the whole crowd goes oh as they saw the ankle the poor bugger i hope you're poor doing guy. good buddy yeah, that's definitely. a tough hope, injury we appreciate uh, you big time yeah all right thanks for everybody listening we appreciate you we'll be back tomorrow from two to six we have instant replay coming up for Andrew Marsh and Jamie Rivers, I'm Anthony Stalter. Everybody, again, if you're driving home, drive home safely. Thank you for listening. We'll be back tomorrow from 2 to 6. See ya! You've been listening to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.